Sins. Oh my days. Oh. Hello everyone. Hello. All the faithful listeners. Yes, I'm Graham. Who's that? Who? Uh, Ewan. Yep, that's him. I forgot. <laughs> and you're listening to The Scenes Podcast. This is The Scenes Podcast. We yes. talk about TV, we talk about movies, we sometimes talk about games. Yes, a varied range. Varied range. Today, Today. we're talking about, however, socio-economical, socio-political, geopolitical movements. We're talking about world events. Yes. We're talking about philosophical movements in the modern era. I would say so. That We're talking about the US government acknowledging UFOs. We are talking <laughs> about the US government acknowledging UFOs. <laughs> but, but something perhaps more important than that, came out, Marvel's Secret Invasion. He's right, he's fucking right, you know. Uh, and much like how the art reactor mm. is proof that Tony Stark has a heart, yeah. the Secret Invasion is the proof that the MCU can make something bad. Yes, I would agree. <laughs> no, no. Mid TV show. We're, yeah, we, I mean, we, we might get around to it, but oh, yeah, that was a show. Mm. Uh, again, is it better or worse than Thor 4? Maybe, probably, most likely, yes. There you go. <laughs> the bar's still there, guys, don't worry. <laughs> Oh my god. It is the bar. Forever will be the bar, it most will, likely. Forever will be the bar. We just hold everything to it now. Mm-hmm. If you want it on the tier list, though, I pretty much would probably put it an F above Thor, or D above Thor. Probably. Better than Thor, but probably not that great. Anyway, though, but that's not That's not important. The You're not here for that. Who cares? Who cares? We knew it. Let's talk about something else that features Ben's like King of Deer. Yes. It is a marking of the time of recording at least a few days past the date, 21st of July. Yes. 2023. Today, the bombs dropped. The bombs did drop. We are living in a post-Barbenheimer world. Yes, we are. We're bopping Barbie. Bopping Barbie. Things. Pick, pick, open, pick Barbie if you sell Pikmin 4 as well, of course. Oh, of course, Pikmin 4. Who could forget Game of the Year Pikmin 4? Game of the Year Pikmin 4. I heard it's quite good, actually. (laughs) We went to see Oppenheimer and went to see Barbie. Scenes cast, they tripped. Oh, scenes cast, they out. Yes. We went, to, we went to a convention, it was a Comic-Con. There was a Comic-Con. Colin Baker was there. Yes. J. Robert Oppenheimer was there. Probably. The real J. Robert Oppenheimer. Secretly. He's dead, actually. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. R.I.P. Good guy. Father of the atomic bomb. Damn, man. But yeah, Barbenheimer is the topic of the day. We're very excited to talk about this. Aye. Look forward to it. Damn. And, um, you know, well, I mean, I was joking, but it's a, it's a thing. You know, it's a big thing. Yes. Why do you think that is, Graham? Uh, I think it's a combination of a couple of things. I don't remember two movies releasing the same day and having so much, like, collective hype about the double feature being a thing. So that's kind of an aspect of it. And it's just sort of like people finally coming back to the movies after the pandemic. Because, like, Top Gun was there. That was the the biggest one coming out, it really. It was just sort of one movie. And then Marvel's not really been there quality-wise to bring it out. So something like this, Christopher Nolan, Barbie, to just come out and like bring the people. Yeah, you know, like we are so fucking back. Mm-hmm. Cinema yeah. is back. We are um, back. I saw a really amazing tweet about how, you know, right now cinematic moments are actually quite powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, I obviously am a big Marvel defender, like simp through the nut. Yes. My opinions about the quality are different than his, but I do sort of understand the concept of like, in my head, it's like, it's now there's other movies that are really worth seeing. And you know, that's happened six and a half a dozen. There's always movies that we jump in and out, but it's the scale of this. 
uh-huh. and its impact in cinema. I, I saw a tweet that was like, oh, you know, Barbie, Oppenheimer, uh, I think it was that, No Hard Feelings with Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah. And then I think like Spider-Verse or it might have been a horror movie, um, something like Insidious. It's just that sensation of like, oh, there are other things at the cinema. I can walk into a cinema and just experience a breadth of experiences at their peak because these are also all very good films. Mm-hmm. Specifically in this instance as well, though, you know, what really drives it in my head is the dichotomy. Yeah. You know, we're talking like, you know, the completely tonally and structurally and visually opposed films. Yes. Think about, uh, fun enough, at the start of the pandemic, you had Doom Eternal Animal Crossing. Yes. Again, two big profile releases on the same day, completely opposed in tone, structure, and everything. I know Animal Crossing was really dark. Animal Crossing was really dark. <laughs> and uh, Doom Eternal was actually surprisingly very nice and happy. Exactly. Um, I think it's, it's, as you say, it's the profile, it's the culture of the time, but it's also, mm. you know, what's specifically causing these two elements to buzz together is because yeah. they're so public. These are big deals. It's a Barbie movie, one of the most recognisable brands in the world by a really prolific director. And then Oppenheimer is like a movie, again, by an incredibly prolific director about a very public and known about topic. Mm. These things are in your face as much as they can be and they're right next to each other and you just can't, every time you look at them, all the memes, yeah. you've got like pink happy Barbie and like just firebombing Oppenheimer. It's created a spark. It has. And that spark creates a chain reaction. Oh. And do you know what we could turn that into? A bomb. A bomb. Except not a bomb because in cinematic terms that means it didn't make money. Yes. And these films. Um, a money bomb. A money bomb. Yes. A big bomb of money. A big bomb of money. Notes are raining down over Barbie Land and yes. over Berkeley. Los, Los Alamos. Alamos. <laughs> Los Alamos. <laughs> Los Alamos. Call of Duty Nooktown. Like, sure. The fridge from Indiana Jones. Oh. But yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that the day. You know, you might actually be listening to this slightly out of sync. Yeah, we're recording it the furthest along that you've heard so far but before you'll have heard some episodes probably. Yeah, so we will plan on getting this out as soon as. We don't really ride the hype train too much. We'll talk about things, obviously, mm-hmm. that are coming out and that we're interested in, but we really want to engage on the energy of the, the season. Now, Open Barbie's really such a, you know, we're, it's electric. We're all quite happy about what's going on. Yeah. So you might be listening to us after, uh, we've got two upcoming episodes. Yes, we've got at least one in the chamber. One, The most likely one you'll have heard will be Final Fantasy. Yes, Sephiroth behaviour. Sephiroth behaviour. So listen out for that one. We're quite, quite pleased with that one. That was a good episode we done. I'm really proud of that episode. It's really a great back and forth chat about, you know, sort of us talking about our experience with the games and uh, Graham talking about his Pacific... Pacific? Pacific? Specific experience playing... 16. Yes, Final Fantasy 16, because you were obviously on that. Uh, quick update, are you still, how are we doing with that? Have you... Man, not really played it since that episode tomorrow, uh, but you, this so uh, is, this <laughs> go back to it. This is great with my, my personal folly, where like, we will dip in, but there'll just be times where we just can't. Exactly. But I think that's human nature. Something about it. But you like it, it's not bad at least. Aye. And you know, you can hear obviously our thoughts in that episode. Yeah, you know, I, I would say uh, I love gaming, but if I was to drop a hobby, it would probably be the first to go. <laughs> it's understandable, you know, like some things are a commitment. I don't think I'll ever stop gaming or talking about it, but um, the, the level of commitment required for some things for me sometimes is just so much now. It's a lot, yeah. Especially these huge games. Like I have to play Horizon Forbidden West and, uh, but hell, I have to play Horizon Zero Dawn. But the yeah, idea of, like, that's a huge game with a big map with probably notes and side quests. And I'm like, that's cool. Yes. It's going to take me at least three months to complete because exactly. I, I have to walk every pixel. You have to see everything. Exactly. I have to see every voxel. With my eyes. But yeah, I, and then a little hint for the future, which you're less likely to hear it. But of course, if you have, after, 
around this time you'll be hearing our Indiana Jones episode. Yes, our extravaganza, our Indiana Jones tier list ranking thing, whatever it is. Just, yeah, sort of like macking about the movies, just yeah. chatting shit. You were saying we're quite proud of the ending of that one actually yes, as well. Yes, we really like it. We get in the weeds. We do get We really dig into like our feelings about Dial of Destiny. There's quite a lot of exploration. There is feelings. Sort of chats. There's scenes. There's scenes, yes. <laughs> scenes. We write our own scenes at one point. We do write our own scenes. There's fan fiction in that. Oh. Oh. Is our fan fiction better than Dial of Destiny? Most likely. Most likely. Oh, there you go. Ooh, teaser of opinions. <laughs> but yeah, that's a little hint, a little sort of check in between the timeline and yeah. a little tease for you if you've not heard those yet. The multiverse of scenes. The multiverse of scenes. Oh, if we were out when Multiverse of Madness came out, oh my. we'd have cooked with that episode. It would have been spicy fire. You would have said you didn't like it and I would have said I liked it and we would have strangled each other or kissed. Yes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we are... Yeah, we, we're excited for you to hear them. We appreciate you listening, if you are listening. Yes, thank you very much. Thank you so much. And yeah, we will we'll talk about Open Barbie. Let's get into it. So we started with the Half Eleven IMAX screening yes, of Oppenheimer. of Oppenheimer. Started off early. We obviously IMAX, well, you want to start early. It's a big movie. Three hours. Doesn't feel like it. Well, yeah, that's something I'm, I actually, I think we'll genuinely <laughs> talk about, engage with a lot. Yes. We were quite specific about IMAX obviously it's a Christopher Nolan film yes we wanted to do it in the best way we could and we thought we'll just take Chris's advice yeah we, we <laughs> tried to watch it as best as advice we couldn't get the exact film screen because nowhere in Scotland has the specific projector that would I can't remember the exact thing but he yeah. had a very particular like you have to watch it in this like your frame or whatever uh, but we also were like looking at the, picking the exact seats yes. he's like you should sit about sort of slightly after the back towards this area I'm like yeah. we'll do it Chris you said we should <laughs> and to be fair I do think I got possibly the best I did feel like we were like, in the exact perfect place to absorb the entire screen yeah so yeah Oppenheimer as Christopher Nolan's 2023 film about J. Robert Oppenheimer the father of the nuclear bomb yes it's actually based on a book I don't know if you that in the credits yes based on American Prometheus oh good one I uh, couldn't tell if I remember that. I was probably going to say something like fucking American Homer or something. American Psycho? Uh, American Psycho. Oh my God. He has to return some video games. <laughs> probably does. And yeah, it's uh, basically, it's not even necessarily fully autobiographical or depending on what you define it as. It's no. basically Oppenheimer at school up through to the development of the nuclear bomb and pass that into sort of the, the major controversy that saw him step out of the public light. Yes. It's got Kelly Murphy as Oppenheimer. Yes. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. as... Strauss. Strauss, Louis Strauss. I'd say they're the two biggest sort of hitters in the movie. Definitely. Um, but you've got a couple other like fantastic... I mean, it's a, it's a full of people. Yes. Like, when I say the actors, I'm thinking like, you know, obviously Oppenheimer's important, Strauss is important, uh, Emily Blunt is Kitty Oppenheimer, yep. Florence Pugh's uh, Gene Tatlock. But then you start to dip into the weeds. I mean, Matt Damon, obviously, is, uh, is Groves, mm. General Groves. But then after that, you get to, like, the... And all of Christopher Nolan's celebrity friends playing a random assortment of cameos <laughs> and just <laughs> acting the hell out of the three lines that they've got. Yes. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much a, a pretty good much. summary of the cast of the film, yeah. I was going to say, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure we'll name names as we get by them if we mm. pop in our heads. Yeah. So, we've got a fun little dichotomy of opinions here. Oh, Graham, you are the Christopher Nolan person. I've not yeah. really seen any Christopher Nolan films other than... Other than the Batman the movies. Batman movies, and now this. And this is the only other one? This is the only other one. I, like, like Inception, I'd like to is see... Is it your favourite Christopher Nolan movie? This is my favourite one. <laughs> yeah, I probably liked him more than The Dark Knight, but like, that's a bold statement. But then I'm like, I, would I say that if I hadn't seen Matt Reeves as the Batman? 
Do you know what I mean? If that was the best, that's a better Batman movie. I do. So in my head, I'm like, I've got a better idea in a Batman movie, right? So I can happily take Dark Knight slightly off the pedestal, right? But then I think it's unfair for me to compare it because I need to see more than the superhero films, right? I need to watch like Inception or like yeah, Interstellar. Is that known? Interstellar. There's Gravity. Yeah. Who's Gravity then? Gravity is a Coron. Right. Okay, that's fair. Well, I need to see like Interstellar and all that before I can get a good thing. But I think Oppenheimer is my favourite out of like right. the four. Right. But you know, you've seen obviously like, a more, lot more. Not all, but more. So, what did you think of Oppenheimer? Uh, it's very good. He's very good. Very, very good. <laughs> He's very good. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's an Oscar sweep, right? We just know it is already. No matter what the competition is, this is probably the one he beat, right? I think so. But I don't know. I don't think he's won any Oscar before. Okay. For direction. I don't think he might have. We'd need to double check that. We would need to cross-reference that. Not sure. You know, you are right. I don't really remember Nolan himself getting. Yes. I'm sure he's got, he's got like a movie, an Oscar in his belt, but it might be for like an actor or something. But I don't really keep up with the Oscars too much, unfortunately. They no. happen and they disappear for me. Yep, no, no wins. Uh, what's that? Five nominations. Five nominations. So no best win. picture for Dunkirk, best director for Dunkirk, best picture for Inception, best screenplay for Inception and Memento. Hmm, okay. See, I think this has to win something because... Yeah, I think... Well, yeah, five nominations, that's pretty crazy. Five nominations. Not a single wins. win yet. He really does it, like... And he won, he's won at the uh, the Guild one, I think. Okay. And he's, I think he's won some BAFTAs. It deserves... Like, Dunkirk's won the BAFTA, do you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, that's on. fair, yeah, of course. Well, yeah, Britain just love British movies, don't they? So that uh, makes well, sense. We have to take what we can get. Exactly. Yeah, so this is the one to beat. It's not my favourite. What's your favourite? Interstellar's still my favourite. Okay. I don't know... I don't I, actually know that about you. I could be biased because when I saw Interstellar, it was just such a visceral, emotional reaction I had to the film. I just couldn't... I think it's an experience I'll really have again in the cinema. That's understandable. So I think that's a cut above for me. And um, I don't know, I think historical films, I don't know if I get on better if, I've, if I know more about the subject or not because I didn't know like, any of this. Ah, going okay. In. Didn't know any of this. Well, yeah, that's funny because I actually know a lot about this. Yes, you know a lot about this. Chris Benoit, I was listening to an interview, said the people that don't know anything about this might get the most out of it. I can't exactly say I know what he's talking about there, but if he thinks that, maybe he's made that with it in mind. I guess it's like if you know a lot, you're more likely to cross-reference it. Mm -hmm. You know, you're more likely to pick it apart. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's more... I, maybe it's me personally, but I like to see how these things have been translated. I would be upset with a historical type movie if it w skewed the details. Right, yeah. So, like, if I watch something, I'm like, I just know that's not true, mm -hmm. you know? Whereas with this type of movie, it's more like, you know, I, I was more excited when I saw them really address things in the right way and other things were like, oh, I'm glad they mentioned that or I'm yeah. glad this person was featured. I, because I really, really, really like this film. I, oh, I don't know. I was, I think I'm maybe what you had with Interstellar. Although maybe first Nolan, especially first Nolan and IMAX. Yeah. Like I was just like, oh, this movie is like just sights and sounds. It's just, Whoa. it's just so every sort of choice when it comes to like framing and narrative and dialogue and like the actor's choices, but then also what Nolan's had told them to do and I just was like, wow, felt really good and really like, fascinating and layered. Hmm. Starting off from the perspective we were just talking about, so. I have a degree in history. I have a, a master's actually in history and I specialised in my later years in American history and I actually took a course in nuclear history. I, I took a course in like the development and the use of the nuclear bomb and its effect on later culture, mm. which interestingly didn't quite talk as much about all this as you'd think. So maybe I'm not going to pretend I'm a, a specialist, 
because I only had a couple of lectures realistically about the Manhattan Project, Los Alamos and Oppenheimer. Uh, a lot of the other lectures were about the persistent use of nuclear weaponry and following conflicts and yeah. how they affect that and then cultural conflicts as well. <laughs> My famous fun fact is, did you know that the, um, the nuclear bomb directly influenced the invention in the beginning? Man, why? Um, the nu nuclear bombs were tested later in a place called Bikini Atoll, right. uh, which also was a horrific crime by America because they basically either forced the local people out or kind of just dropped them too close to the local people and just fucked them up horribly. <laughs> so that, that one, the long-listed horrible things America's done. But the they dropped the bombs on Bikini Atoll and a Frenchman was like, oh man, like, oh, the bomb's so sexy. The mushroom cloud, it looks like a lady. It looks like a big, a big booby, oh, small waist, big butto. And he's like, oh, I can design something on, based on the shape mm -hmm. of that uh, and he named after the, the location that they sort of was publicly happening at Bikini Atoll which is uh, my favourite spew race fun fact and that's my justification of having a fucking degree because uh, God knows it's not helping me in any other ways well no but we don't need to get that now but uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a whole other episode that is a whole other episode this is uh, that's her, the face reveal episode how our lives are shit behaviour exactly um, no, uh, yeah, I, I actually really enjoyed nuclear history, weirdly yeah. enough, it was really fascinating and all of it, but obviously in specific reference to what we're talking about, I did still know a lot, I've read a lot of historiography, I did a, weirdly enough, I also did a course on espionage and it also talked about this because it mentioned fucking the guy. The guy? Who was at Los Alamos? The spy? Yeah. I can't remember his name, oh that's no terrible. But it talked about the intelligence around Los Alamos and then the eventual like leaks it was almost like a sort of a Marvel cameo when that guy shows up. And I'm There's like, a few. Oh. There's a few. I know him. Fuchs. Few. Fuchs. Klaus Fuchs. I remember hearing his name and I'm like, oh, dude, Pog, that's the spy. That's him. And like other things, um, there's a scene, for example, in this one where they, they talk about uh, the ethics of deploying the bomb. Like it's post-Germany, like the Nazis are off the picture. Yeah. And um, like, do we really want to do this? It's still going to be horrific. And then it's like, well, we're going to stop like an American ground invasion, so we'll have American troops. But then there's like the politics of using it as sort of like a thing for Russia mm. as much as for Japan. And uh, that's a very prevailing debate in like, historiography, like what exactly motivated the Americans to drop the bomb on Japan. Just wanted to try it out. Well, exactly. Like You have the concrete reason of, well, you laugh, but that's kind of what it was. I know, yeah. There is actually, there is, uh, I have read arguments, I have read historical stuff about this, where there are some people who believe they literally dropped the bomb on Japan. Just because they could. As a second nuclear yeah. test. Yeah. Well, a lot of people almost refer to it as a second nuclear test because... You have the, the side of, it did stop the ground invasion. They did do the calculations. Yes, they would have lost a lot of men in a yeah. prolonged ground invasion in Japan. Of course, yeah. But then there's like the idea of like, but they also had this big weapon and they kind of wanted to just throw their dick around and show it off. Yeah. And they also wanted to let Russia know they have it in a way that makes Russia go, oh, dude, we can't mess with them. They've got the big fucking bomb. The big bomb. Capital uh, A bomb. I saw like people who like, refer to it sort of casually that sort of like oh it's like a, a second test because it what it showed off for the world mm. it wasn't just about the war it was about what it meant to all the people involved mm. but then I, I read some one particular person who was like no blatantly i believe it was a test of the bomb it was literally can we kill this many people it is a wild sort of historical sort of area to wire into and that's why i really appreciate this movie it also didn't go ridiculously hard in it but yeah it really is great at reflecting on the details and also enriching the thematic aspect Mm. you know it, it looks at these these things and what it means for the characters obviously they're constantly in debate but you know is this ethical are we going to do this like what's the purpose of this uh, they, they they're are not always... in the debate when it's happening though it's more reflective yeah of course they're not really engaging in a debate but I would be more like it's nice that they're no like... I mean like I couldn't really tell there was remorse before they didn't there wasn't oh, much trepidation like... I didn't think 
what as in in regards to the movie, as in what you're saying that what you see around. And then we got to the bomb on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. I didn't see much. We shouldn't know this. Hmm. There was a bit. Well, uh, yeah, I suppose I'll 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 hold you on that. Yeah, I, maybe I'm implanting my fact that I knew that it was there over the moment we're physically shown. There is there's a scene where he, he talks to this, he goes into the office, mind the scientists are all having that debate without him. Mm-hmm. And they actively say, like, what's the point in doing this? It's going to cause awful, yeah. like, we're going to reveal a terrible weapon, like, the, the Nazis are already defeated. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, I suppose they don't really, they only focus on that, and then they focus on Oppenheimer's sort of lax anxiety about it. Yeah, well, he's more like, than yeah. we've built it, it's not ours now. Yeah, that's a lot of it. I wash my hands of this. He He's really, it's a really fascinating look because it really doesn't just give him the break. It doesn't just say like, oh man, it's a shame, you know, he was actually a really great scientist and he did this thing because he had to for his country. It does like constantly sort of portray him as like, well, you know what, he, like, he was never really, he never really went far enough in any direction. He was always a bit in and out and there's maybe more he could have done in certain ways. And he also himself isn't perfect. Uh, he fully like... It's a filthy call me. Cheat- I was going to say cheats on his wife. Does that a few times, they, yeah. They like, reveal at the end of the movie as a joke that he was also having a completely other affair that we didn't know about. It's like, oh, Oppenheimer, dude. Bro. But I, I thought that was really a brilliant way of doing it because, you know, how do we look at that? Like, What would you... Did you have any thoughts about that going in? Do you think, this is a movie about the guy who made the atomic bomb. What am I going to feel about the guy who made the atomic bomb? Nah, I didn't have any feelings about it beforehand, I don't think. Like one way or the other. It's maybe not something you would have thought about, to be fair. Not really, no. I don't know how I'd feel after it, to be honest, because it's a dramatised version, obviously. I don't know if I'll ever know how it really felt. At the time. After the time. Whatever. But... Possible no without seeing inside their head, I guess. From the movie, it seemed that he had genuine remorse about the issues that, that it caused, especially for Japan, and he seemed to truly want to express the weight of the creation to the rest of the world after the fact, but no one wanted to hear it. Yeah, it's, you pointed out the fact, one of the very sort of nice points I thought, that the thing that really was like meaty in the story context was the sort of idea of like, you know, we are the role of the scientists, we are scientists, we've done this thing, it's now up to them to use it. Yeah. And you know, the heavy hand of the US government. I remember the, the bit right after sort of the war period where they're gutting Los Alamos. Uh-huh. Uh, and they're like, well, like, you know, you piss off Oppenheimer, like, we don't need you anymore, you loser. Like yeah. Shit, like, we've put... Said by, um, when they're recruiting scientists, he's like, they need us, and he's like, yeah, they need us till they don't. Yeah, that was one of those really great ones, but it's like, shit, yeah. Because, I wouldn't say the US government's portrayed as, like, a, a, a villain, but they, they're frank about, like, you know, the US are quite, very, like... Quite efficient, ruthlessly so. Efficient, ruthlessly efficient, and very single-minded. I, I think about the scene with, uh, Gary Oldman. That um, was a surprise camera for me. I'm like, oh, shit, Gary Oldman's in this film as, yeah. uh, President Truman. Mm-hmm. And him sort of being like an asshole about it, like I think that's potentially why they refrain from showing the actual bombings in Japan because Truman's like it was me, wasn't it you? Oh, so you you because it's an Oppenheimer's perspective, you would say you want to remove the perspective, yeah, or like anything that's so without the perspective. Aye, that might be why that's just not shown, and then we see him react his reaction to like photos of what happened later, but never actually see the moment, which I think would have been very powerful. I don't know if it, it probably doesn't fit, to be honest, because the sort of climax of the film dramatically is the Trinity test. Yeah, I think it's the most energetic moment. It's very, you know, that's, the whole movie yeah. sort of leads up to there. Yeah, that's sort of where it apexes, in my opinion. So to have another nuclear bomb right after it probably mm, wouldn't work as that's well. That's a really good point, actually. Um, I think that we'll quickly stop to address a sort of concept and negative because that's important to note. The one 
pervading negative. Okay, there's two pervading detractors I've seen. I said I'm not trying to just wash away detractors because I think it's like a really excellent near flawless movie. But these are things that are interesting to talk about. So first off, just quickly, people said it's too long. We both said it there. I didn't even really notice the length. I think yeah. it's wild that like the the Trinity test, as you say, is like the dramatic climax, but it's mm. like only like a third into the movie, two thirds into the movie. There's still a whole other like movie going on. Ah, uh, yeah, but I think all the it all builds to that moment. Yeah, and it's always relevant. Yes, and the fact that they've weaved it in out so effectively so far, I think just makes you want to know the resolution to all of it and yeah. reach a sort of a, a, an emotional climax. And the Trinity test isn't really that because even though he's got all these anxieties, it's also not just about will it work, but also the general cultural anxieties. So for him just to end it at the bombing would have been like, how did Oppenheimer, what was Oppenheimer like after the bombs? Yeah. The other one is, so I've seen a couple of people say the movie sort of failed to address the victims, the direct victims of the bombing. It's very much, how sad is it for Oppenheimer to have done this horrible thing? Yeah. And um, yeah, I feel like I agree with that statement it would only have been enriched by some sort of greater grappling with like the actual people who suffered, you know, the people who get literally fucking vaporised. Yeah. But I just can't think of a way that they could have done it in an organic way for the narrative. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, again, it's sort of known in interviews said that the film is mainly focused on two perspectives. So the black and white is like Strauss's view. Yes. Well, it's also like the objective. It's like the... Because it's like Oppenheimer's perspective mm-hmm. so i i read it was sort of like the color stuff is oppenheimer's first person yeah accounting uh accounting but also still a, a very subjective yeah a very colored view. view yeah whereas the black white stuff is stuff that he's not directly in but also therefore is sort of a, an, obje- an objective view not tainted by oppenheimer's opinion on it because it's mm-hmm. not stuff he's directly a part of yeah so i think to take focus from it would be weird and i don't think i just don't think it needs it because of the singular story they're telling. But it's not to say it wouldn't have been useful. I don't know. It probably was in there at one point, maybe. And then cut. Like, I, I have no doubt, probably, somewhere in there, there was a scene where Hiroshima and Nagasaki actually, you see it. But maybe just thought, I don't know, I need that on, like, a rewrite or something. I, I keep thinking about, for example, I said to you not long after we watched the movie that I think they should have shown us the pictures that they saw. Yeah. Because... They're sort of like, I don't know, you, you watch them all get violently grossed out by it and there is a bit of a visceral element to that. I kind of like the, the language of that scene where you watch all them sort of like retching or sort of sob and horror at it, but yeah. like it feels almost too sanitised for the, the audience. Mm. That, that's it's not so much a problem, but I do on reflection feel that the whole movie almost, it tells you how stressful we are. I think it just, okay, this is weird. I think it's going to have a problem the further we as a culture get away from the dropping of the nuclear bombs because nuclear bombs are going to become a subjective element until... God for fucking bid they're used again. <laughs> I don't want to become a prophetic nightmare. But, you know, this movie basically relies on you just acknowledging the nuclear bombs were bad. Yeah. But we live in, like, fucking Scotland in, like, 2023. Uh-huh. The bombs were ages ago. Christ, has it not been nearly, like, 100 years? The war was, like, what, the 30s and the 40s? I can't remember the exact dates of this, but we're, like, 80 years away from the bombs. We have, we just know they were bad. And that's it. We just we told the atomic bombs were bad. Yeah. And you can sort of describe it in that, but, like, the only way I, I started to grasp with the horrors of the atomic warfare is, like, exploring the direct impact, like, seeing pictures of, like, the, you know, Hiroshima and Nagasaki and yeah. the fucking, the pure vaporised outlines and the absolute destruction and the accounts of a lot of this is, like, it took them so many years before they could even just go back into the ruins of the city yeah. to, like, find the dead and all that. Mm-hmm. Do you think Nolan had a responsibility as a filmmaker to bring that forward to the public consciousness about how awful this is? Hmm. Because 
he's not trying to be a historian. Yes, he's see, that's to... exactly. I don't think I would put that on him. I'm just saying the way this movie presents it is very much like the further that we this. Do you think that's like a more making a historical film like you'd maybe be put that responsibility put upon you? I by guess yourself or people watching it. I guess it depends on how you're confronting the subject matter. Mm-hmm. That's this movie is about in a lot of ways the bombs being bad and this is an atrocious thing. But mm-hmm. it's, it's very much from the perspective of Oppenheimer. I guess you can sort of wash your hands at the same. No, no, it's about Oppenheimer uh-huh. and the bombs are almost ancillary to it. I guess I just think when you're trying to express the sheer horror of a situation that is a real thing that actually happened, the further you try and physically distance yourself from it, so like not showing us things and only just basically saying they're going to be dropped on people and then it gets dropped on people, like it was really bad that that happened to people. Mm-hmm. Think about this movie in like 20, 30 years when we're even further away from the bombs. Yeah. And the more further we get and the more we have to look at it through the perspective lens of just knowing that something like this is bad. Mm. And I'm talking more in the context of how horrible this is. It's like the Holocaust itself. Uh-huh. You have to express the sheer horror of an event like this uh-huh. because it was truly nightmarishly bad and it's something that humanity can't ever repeat. Uh-huh. Like those those who forget history are condemned to repeat it type of thing. Mm. And if we just instill the, the loose concept, oh man, the nukes, they were rough, man. They made Oppenheimer sad and they did some bad things to the Japanese instead of like, I don't know. And that, but that's why I'm like, I'm really troubled about this because I don't know how he would have actually expressed it. I was thinking about the whole showing the pictures things as like as visceral, but then I also don't want to glorify the suffering. But I mean, I suppose it depends on how you physically show them. If you just they kind of try because there's the one scene that's like oh, yeah. a beautiful scene. It's like a dream scene. Yeah, he's like hallucinating. Aye, and he's speech and he does, he sees like flesh melt mm-hmm. and people I think disappear into like nuclear explosion. That's the thing I'll have to take. That whole scene is one of the highlights of the film for a lot of people, and I really enjoyed it yeah. as well. Because it's just such a gut, visceral experience. It's such a, a the sh- constant shaking. I'm so unsettled by that scene. Just the the constant like earth shakes. Yeah. And like the sh- slow growing light and like that. Oh, that person's skin's peeling off. He sees like people like sobbing and vomiting and all that. It's a beautiful scene. My, it's one of my favorite scenes in the movie. I I can absolutely understand that. I mean, I'd even say it for myself. I, there's probably scenes I'd go to first, but I can't undercut the strength of that scene on its own. So I, I guess I'll take that. That's maybe. By showing us Oppenheimer's guilt, because it's not the only time they do that sort of thing, by showing us his grappling with it, it does give us an idea of it. Mm-hmm. But then again, that's also only in like his hallucination. Yeah. So there's almost something a little man, oh, I'm dreaming about this happening to my friends. And it's like, well, what about the actual people that they're actually happen to? Yeah. But then, yeah, I don't want to put, I don't want to be like a big, like, because, you know, Nolan, you need to do this. You need to have done this. Mm. As I say, I think it's just very particular to things like this, where certain horrors need to be expressed in, in a very specific way but maybe that's like a, a, a weird take and i'm full of weird takes i am maybe i don't know because um i kind of get what you're saying and that makes sense i think there should be some sort of responsibility whether you accept that responsibility and do it is a different thing here i, guess I wouldn't i wouldn't go against Nolan for not doing it that's why i'm saying i almost can't even account it as a full negative of the movie because i well it's easy to say after a bad movie and the universe and, Oppenheimer was and shit. there is a there is many films who do take that responsibility very seriously and they tell the Japanese story of true, those aye. people that live there and then the fallout, all of that. There's people aye, that have done that. I, you know, even if no one didn't do it. Yeah. <laughs> there is yeah. examples of the Holocaust, the nuclear Holocaust being shown straight to your face. It's true. So yeah, I don't, I don't like, I've not kept up at night about it. It's, I think in these instances, as I say, it's just something interesting to think about, isn't it? Mm-hmm. But let's mention, so... The actors were all just acting. <laughs> they were acting. They, they were, were paid to do some acting. They were. I mean, would they? I feel like they weren't. Even, I think they were ordained by God. 
ordained by God. It is a truly, I don't know, what's the word? It's a truly, truly performance it's from, a, uh, from Kelly and Murphy here. Kelly and Murphy, yeah, he absolutely fucking slams it. Oh my days. You know, he was eyed up to play Oppenheimer on like another thing a while ago. I think it was like a 2014 thing for like the BBC maybe or something like that. It was just like a, an other like, let's do an Oppenheimer show. Or Man's got the or look. He's got the look. He just has quite the look. Aye, he's a powerhouse. Is it weird that when I see pictures of Oppenheimer himself, I kind of thought Dame Dehane would be like, fine as Oppenheimer as well. He's got that sort of weird like Sunkai look. <laughs> Bit HP Lovecrafty. Uh, HP <laughs> Lovecraft, oh my God. But yeah, no, I mean, uh, it's hard to talk about acting in the sense it just isn't there, just really... Yeah, really they're good. really good. Everyone's spoken about Kelly Murphy being like channeling the actual acting god or something yeah, in this just... film. And he is sort of just, everything he does works, everything he tries works, even if it's like a weird thing that you didn't expect to like see, it just like is fine oh, and yeah, it just happens right. to work perfectly for this. And I think it's because of like the repartee like him and Nolan have. Yeah. Like uh-huh. they just work so well together for so long now that they've just kind of got that shorthand. It's happened with like, I don't know, if, it, if I was to have an example, but like Jordan Peele and Daniel Kaluuya yeah. just seem to like have this thing, this sort of like telepathic connection. Where they just know exactly what each other wants yeah. pretty much. And they just know exactly what's right for the scene in the moment at the time. And that, I think, is just what's happened here. And it's just sort of incredible to see captured. Yeah, I, I, I'm really happy with this. I don't see Kelly Murphy in enough. Probably my own fault for lack of trying it. Well, I'd, he's not really in enough. He just kind of He does pick and choose. Yeah. I'd like to watch Peaky Blinders. Yeah. And I loved him in what I have seen him in. You know, mm, yeah. Like, fucking, like, the Batman movies. <laughs> I saw a, a tweet for a friend of mine, Joe Brennan, that this is a, a movie of... Basically, a movie of like celebrity cameos coming in and giving the single best performance of their careers, and I think that extends to well. I think Kelly Murphy <laughs> absolutely destroyed that. I think I want to talk about Robert Downey. Right. So Kelly Murphy. Okay. Well, how do I say this now? It doesn't sound like I'm disparaging Downey. Damn. Kelly, Kelly Murphy is a really good actor, and I knew he was going to be a really good actor, and he's got that repartee with Nolan, as you say. Yes. You just know that's going to work. Mm-hmm. It's Nolan and Murphy. Even if I've not seen those other movies, I know. You know. Mm-hmm. Robert Downey Jr. Uh, said about this movie, he said this is like that, he was talking about how he's not like sure about himself after like Marvel and not disservice Marvel, but obviously like Marvel is like, you know, it's a, it's a fun comic book superhero movie for the family and that. And this is mm-hmm. Downey being like, can I interface with something again and put my heart and soul into it and really give a, an ins- insanely good performance? And I, I thought Downey was like the, like the insanely good, like holy shit, he's in there fucking just giving such a layered moving performance and yeah. I'm not saying I didn't expect from him I would never disservice him to claim that I didn't think he had it in him but it's just really um, refreshing to see because yeah. he's come off of stuff like Marvel and that where it's like oh no, he, he isn't like a prestige film and he is turning it yeah I don't know if I'm I don't think I was surprised by the performance but I'm happy to see it yeah exactly I'm not <laughs> surprised I knew Downey could do it but yeah. to see him do it was like oh good on you Robert like, damn. get in and fucking act maybe this is something against the movie but we talked about who, who's going to get nominated for Oscars and we said, like, I was like, oh, you know, like, um, obviously they'll probably nominate, like, Emily Blunt or Florence Pugh. And I, doubt, I doubt Florence Pugh definitely won't get nominated for it. Definitely, yeah. definitely not. She's in, like, three scenes. Those are really good scenes, though. Those are really good scenes. I don't know how, I mean, I think to be nominated for something as Best Sporting Actress, you'd need to be in it for a substantial amount of time. But would you include Emily Blunt sitting silently in the background during the, the hearing scenes as screen time? Yes. I think the Academy would... I think what we were talking about is, yeah, almost, especially Emily Blunt, I guess. Florence Pugh really was there and did what she was there to do. Yeah. Florence Pugh will have plenty of times to win an Oscar, right? Oh, Don't worry. God, <laughs> I know. I saw a thing about, like, someone said, would you watch a, a, a Black Widow 2? 
like a Florence Pugh led Black Widow too. Mm. Someone's like, just cut it. Like, would you watch like Black Widow? Would you watch a Florence Pugh led movie? <laughs> I'm like, yes, I will be there no matter what. Emily Blunt. I mean, I don't know Emily Blunt's a great actress. I I kind of agreed with you. You said I just don't. I feel like she just isn't in it enough, which is strange. You said this. You said like she's not going to get nominated for best actress because she's just not quite in it enough. I don't think. I mean, probably, but I just don't. It's just not like I just don't think there's a best actress. Oh, so you mean more like in the context? Well, I mean. Like, there's a best actor and a best supporting actor. Aye. But there's just no female lead to that, like, extent, I don't think. Well, so you were going to nominate someone, it was her. Aye, like, Emily yeah. Blunt's, like, uh, to compare, like, Emily Blunt to Kelly and Murphy, like... Yeah. Also, Kelly Murphy's in, like, fucking near enough every scene, whereas Emily Blunt obviously has more ones. I think she could still get nominated. I think it's depending yeah, yeah. on, like, credited. She'd and probably be the most likely. But she deserves it. Like, we need to... Let's make sure to not point out... Like, she was fucking amazing. Yeah, yeah. No one in this movie's bad. I don't know a single person in this movie's bad about it. I really like the scene where uh, Emily Blunt like finally speaks up at the hearing, and it's just like such a yeah. fuck yes. It's a it's just like a great scene, especially because she does get sort of underlooked and a bit like not maybe disrespected, but she is very much like she herself points out the sort of her own frustrations of being relegated to the sidelines, dumping yeah. the kids, and so obviously she seems to struggle with alcoholism that throughout as well. So mm. for her to be intelligent and proactive and just really like self assured and yeah. have like a positive impact, it's such a fucking great moment. She's the only one fighting for the Oppenheimer name. As I say, after that, I load into the cavalcade of other actors and that. Um, any standouts for you in sort of like the, any the large cast? The uh, interrogator. Oh, oh, hang on, sorry. Whose name escapes me. Sorry, Matt Damon was in this fucking movie. Matt Damon's in this movie. I'll quickly say, so I like Matt Damon a lot. I did say, and this isn't a complaint, but he was the one who I felt had to struggle the least because it just felt like Matt Damon in that role. I heard him like, ah, she's Matt Damon playing a Matt Damon character. <laughs> he had moments where he was obviously pushed against it and he, again he was a great actor no bad performances but I feel like he was the one who was able to just do that role the easiest it's, I don't right. know there's something about it where I'm like that's just Matt Damon <laughs> down just Matt Damon Dane Matt Damon I think I've been a bit harsher but like that's, that's <laughs> okay know, I'm not trying to take away I just mean more like <laughs> I know, I know. he was the one who was the most suited like immediately like I'm like that character the way he talks his accent it just feels like Matt Damon yeah. doesn't quite need to struggle the same way that like Irish Killian Murphy does to play the guy who made the nuclear bomb Man. Matt Damon just needs to be a bit of a silly, stern military guy. Damn. That just feels like something Matt Damon is a lot more easily equipped to do. He's probably like, do you know what? Maybe. Yeah, I've read the script and I'm in on it. And he did a great fucking job Maybe. because he's so well equipped for it. I just, I'm like, I, I like, it just feels like <laughs> Matt Damon could have played, like, that was a role that Matt Damon could have played and he played it and he was great at it because it was like. Matt Damon walks up my Easy. Oh my God. Like what? He said. <laughs> <laughs> disagree. No, but like. That's probably harder to do that than we think. <laughs> Maybe, I suppose. I mean, being Matt Damon's probably harder than being two fucking I agree. white schmucks talking about fucking movies in Scotland. <laughs> but yeah, so I wanted to address him because yeah, I feel like he's also quite a big part compared to some Aye. others as well. He's got a lot of really pronounced scenes and great acting moments. Mm. That's why I'm trying to emphasise that I'm not wanting to disservice him. I just feel like he was the most closely suited for the role, pretty much. Right. A lot of these other ones, I'm like, oh yeah, Kelly Murphy really made the own. Like, what was it? Matt Damon, I'm like, that just seems enough like a Matt Damon character. Uh-huh. Like I feel like, yep, Matt Damon said that really is that I know exactly what I can do here. I don't need to like press myself ridiculously other than maybe mm-hmm. looking at army stuff. I- I'll leave it there because I don't want to keep looking myself. You know what I'm like? I'll keep talking over myself. Yeah. I've made my point. I don't think it's a bad thing. I don't think it's a takeaway. I just, in my head, I feel like he was the most fit for that. Right. He was probably could fit the snuggest into his role. Okay. So I just wanted to address that. So yeah, you were your first one was the, the interrogator. Um, yeah, oh god, I, well, I can't remember that his name, I, I know the guy I'm fucking known for looking at him, that's annoying, but yeah, they're the one from the, the hearing, yes. the one that was like a proper like prosecutor. 
Aye, he was uh, he was exceptional in every scene. He just sort of like set the tone he every time he was so on the good, screen. Yeah, I really like. Yeah, I actually liked him quite a lot. To be fair, I liked the extended sort of cadre scientist that sort of kept coming out mm. at Los Alamos. I liked the guy who played Taylor. I liked the guy who played Zafty. Yes, God, I forgot that was Zafty. I think that's you know the one who was working on the hydrogen bomb. Don't know what brother that is, but it's one of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, the one working on the hydrogen bomb. Yeah, yeah. I I, I don't know. I just thought he was great and uh. Just like, oh, he, he really perfectly played like the line of the fact that by the end of the movie, you're supposed to actually realise that he's a bad guy. Uh-huh. Like, he pushed for the worst bombs and he ends up being one of the ones to majorly betray Oppenheimer. Yeah. But he just sort of really expresses the characters like, here's my perspective and why I'm doing what I do type of thing. And I, I never, it wasn't until the movie basically looks you in the eye and goes, oh, he was actually a bam. I'm like, oh shit, he was a, actually a bad guy. Yeah. Or like, mm, bad guy. Subjective, I guess. We talked about this in the comedy. This, Josh Hartnett, Hartnett. Josh, Josh Hartnett. Josh Hartnett. So I have no idea who this actor is. The icon, Josh Hartnett. And Graham and his partner mentioned him and they're like, oh, Josh Hartnett was in this. And I'm like, I do not know who this guy is. But he's apparently in like a bunch of things. But I actually thought he was really great. Josh Hartnett's good, guy. Fucking hated him because he was like the guy who was like, oh, fuck those commies. No unions. And I'm like, you bastard. But like, exactly. Man, the fuck point. the commies. What are you talking about? <laughs> Bro, this movie's supposed to make you guys communism is not just Stalin. Aye, but also just like, has, just it is. Aye, but it just has never worked though, so like it's fine. <laughs> it's because the people who keep doing it are arseholes. That is dumb. Could be I like Oppenheimer, be <laughs> like, oh man, I've got a passing interest in the fucking philosophy behind it. Aye, the idea of it. Don't but be like Stalin. Execution sucks. Graham is absolutely against Maoism. I'm big into docu- uh, documentaries. Uh, democracy. Democracy. He's big into documentaries as well, to be oh, fair. I am, yeah, you know. Yeah, I, I, I liked a lot of them. I, it was fun just seeing the ones that were coming and out as well, like, mm-hmm. like Jack Quaid. Yeah. You know, like Bongo Bob, Boy. Like. Josh? For Drake and Josh? Josh. Josh Peck, yeah. Um, I think it was Drake Bell. Yes, He's yes. Uh, redacted. Josh. Like, Josh, I think he's interesting. Josh pushed the fucking button, people. Josh did push the button. And that was funny. He was just in him. I was Josh was using Josh. He, he did his little role. It was absolutely perfect. Yeah, man. Drop the bomb, you know, TV. I was talking to you the other day about I love um, the, the actor who played Chevalier, who was one of the ty- the Lannister twins for the House of the Dragon. Yes. And I'm like, that's good to see him. He's fun. He's doing good. He's getting work, you know. He's getting work. But yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. Like you could, Every sort of character that speaks for a, a decent moment this is actually probably like a cameo cameo yeah. I suppose Casey Affleck was he working on Casey Affleck was in this and then I didn't even know it was Casey Affleck until the movie was done and it said Casey Affleck and I'm like what like actual Chad Casey Affleck damn I was I, I, you know it really is no Alden Ehrenreich oh my god Alden Ehrenreich was like uh, Robert Downey Lewis Strauss's aide and he was just so good and he's having a good year I, I, he's having <laughs> a great year I agree with people who say online like Alden Ehrenreich's supremacy like he was great in Solo he get pissed on by Disney basically being like oh maybe Solo was a mistake because we had Alan Ehrenreich instead of Harrison Ford or something Kathleen Kennedy like I know I've obviously defended a lot of things she's done and said but the one thing that I can safely like shut the hell up on was like she said something about how oh, maybe we should like be careful about recasting legacy characters and I'm like bro people unilaterally agree that Alan Ehrenreich and Donald Glover were like fan fucking tasks King Solo mm. they were actually one of the things that's like yep great keep them Yeah. Um, Cocaine Bear I need to go back and watch Hail Caesar Right. Um. I like. I really like Alan Rick, and he was just fun and great in this. He had that smug moment of like getting like. <laughs> he had a good one, yeah. Getting one over on Lance Strauss. Strauss. Yeah. Oh, so good. I I wanted to obviously because it's Nolan draw attention to the visuals. Of course. No, but little to no CGI was used in this. None. Pretty much. I, Apart I, I from heard one. People say like little to none, and it's like I don't want to say none just in case. I mean, Nolan maybe he didn't use straight CGI. He might have had to have used some thing. 
SFX for like something, but pretty much none. Like the explosions were practical. The nuclear bomb blast was practical. Yeah. He la- he blew up Graham. Kids were one detonated a nuclear bomb. Yes, and you know what? I'm happy he did. Yeah, I mean he's obviously you. I think you you're queen. You're queen. You're queen, Graham. I'm queen. Let's go. Uh, he, you're keen on that. I'd say I've never really talked to you about it, but I'd imagine you're quite keen on like the commitment to practical effects. Yes, it's a thing no one does really. And he gets away with it because he's like premium or tour director and he's probably like the last of a dying group. Him and like Del Toro because like they're the only ones brave enough to kind of do it. I don't know why it's brave to do it because it worked for a hundred years and now it's just like oh we'll just do it CGI I and it'll it's... look shit and it'll look cheap and it'll, it won't be real. As cost effectiveness becomes like more in the favour of CG and like they can like replace things and make Like they can say this but 80s horror movies look great and it's uh-huh. people making costumes for like 50 quid and we hear a lot of like, the rubber and shit. are like so big yeah there's some things where I'm like there's things you realise that they can't just do it I mean Marvel maybe have an issue with overusing it but there's a lot of times Definitely. where I'm like I get why Marvel did it like for example you can't practically do the quantum realm I mean no, would no. Christopher Nolan try and shrink us to microverse he could yeah I think he could I think, I think if anyone's like cable it's him yeah pretty much definitely I guess, look, James Cameron gets the credit. Mm. Avatar is probably, like, the best case for CG. Yes. There's, like, always exceptions to the rules. Mm-hmm. I think the rule should be, if it can be done practically, you should aim to do it until it becomes literally unfeasible for it to harm. I'm pretty much there. I, I think I accept CG a lot more depending on maybe the context. I was looking at it through the famous Star Wars and, you know, we went from, the like, extreme use of practical and then cutting-edge digital effects, but, yeah. like... Even cutting edge digital effects for like the, the original trilogy of Star Wars was different from like Avatar. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, then you get the prequels, who you know whether we can talk about them being good or bad, were obviously lambasted for the overuse of uh, CG, uh, which maybe didn't always land. Mm-hmm. And then how the new movies were obviously quite you know no matter what they were given the credit for like oh they really went back and they really yeah. tried to engage with practical really much where they can. It's I was credit those films I'd say. I yeah I, I think it does definitely does work. You can really tell they're on those locations. Mm. I was love looking at I talked to you about the other day, I love the uh, behind the scenes of the scene where Luke destroys his hut in Last Jedi where it's like they literally had an entire hut built on like strings and like when Luke blasts the force it like the strings pull them all away. Like they had yeah. a physical hut that came apart and seeing the behind the scenes because it's actually really cool to see the effects in action and it's really cool to see how they did it. Right. Um I have an interesting sort of question on this. So would you think uh, Mission Impossible and Christopher McQuarrie? What? Well, so you're talking about like the emphasis on practical effects now. Uh-huh, yeah. How do you think those movies look? Because they obviously do have to use some stuff, but then again, also, Tom Cruise is out here on the Burj Khalifa. Yeah, it's a, well, it's a good melding. Dead Reckoning, which I saw recently, there's one kind of big stunt, and all the other stunts are like good action stunts. Okay. And all the other ones, there's like one or two maybe that are bigger, but that's the one that's like melded most with CG, and I can't, like seeing it, looked fine but I like know what it looked like when they were filming it so it was like hard to right, differentiate really I could be like oh I know what that is now but seeing it on the screen still looked fine and it's not like they're far enough away so it doesn't really you don't really notice it it's when you get like super close to it and you can immediately like see the lines between it and like you can tell that's okay. just not real what I'm looking at I think uh, I, th- I really but like him climbing the worst cliff like that's a dedicated like him on the side of that plane in Ghost Protocol Road Nation he's literally on the side of the plane do we give Chris a recording credit or do we have Tom Cruise be like Chris I'm climbing the Burj Khalifa well most of the time it's uh, Tom Cruise going like I want to do this stunt 
Let's do this stunt. We'll make it work, Tom. Aye. Whatever. I don't fucking there was care. A funny, there was a funny moment on one of Graham Norton's interviews with him when he's like, oh, I went to the guy and I was like, oh, I want to climb the Burj Khalifa. And the guy went, that's not possible. So I fired him and got a new guy in. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what Tom Cruise does, which I love. Basically, Tom Cruise makes the Mission Impossible movies. Yeah, exactly. Christopher McQuarrie's just there. <laughs> Uh, oh, I suppose I say Mexico Square. I'm obviously multiple directors, but you know what I mean. So yeah, I, 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 that's a really good way of looking at it. Because um, I've always said I can stand it a bit more, mm-hmm. CG. But I, I guess, you know, when you're in a face with a movie like Oppenheimer, yeah. you really can't. Like, god damn, you're, they're right. These things look exceptional. Yeah. And also, the knowledge that they're real is as powerful as seeing physical real things. Like all the explosive effects and the, mm-hmm. all the stuff, even the little like pure hallucinations and the, the little visualizations, like explosive stuff that you mm-hmm. see. I'm like, they are real. Christopher Nolan did that. Yeah. And I'm like, this is like just trippy. And it's like, how did they even create this? Mm-hmm. How did Christopher Nolan do this? It's just fantastic teamwork, like on all fronts. Yeah, just everyone involved. Yeah, he's got a, such a great production team, cinematographer, like production design, but like also like his effects team. For these people, the people are like, oh, well, we're just going to make a bob. We're just going to make the nook. What, I want to uh, know what that conversation was like. How he got Him going up to like his pyrotechnics team, for example, mm. and they're like, how do we do a nuclear bomb? Months of planning, probably. Might have took like a year to get it. <laughs> probably only had one shot. No, probably yeah, didn't have one. Maybe. Maybe they had a few. I don't know. Maybe they actually, they actually went out to Los Alamos and made their own nuclear testing site. I did. I, well, I was going to say, I'm like, I don't know if it was Los Alamos, but they definitely built like the town and then they built the Trinity test. Well, I mean, more like to do their own nuclear bomb. Like, we're oh, actually, actually doing nuclear oh, bomb right. tests. We're actually doing it. Radiation free, movie safe nuclear bomb. Let's go. Oh, that's probably a, need to change the distances. There's a bit more research on it now. That's true. Aye. <laughs> I was going to say, we're, we're, uh, probably we're a bit close. Now. Yeah. I love that idea. Like, we have to go and represent this how it was back then, completely devoid of all the shit we know now, all the horrible, yeah. horrible things we know now. Yeah. Yeah, I, I wanted to also just quickly before we cap, I, I always do this right at the end, but just music. Ludwig Gordonson once again displays that he is one of the modern greats of composing. Uh-huh. The score in this was, was guttural, it was unsettling, it was like so magnetic and poetic and very beautifully scored everything that's going on. Mm. And I just want to give Ludwig Gordonson praise and sing his songs because, again, he just gets given a movie with a completely different theme and genre. He's like, fuck it, it's done, I've done it. Damn. Even the people I like, like Michael Giacchino, other than like Doctor Strange and Star Trek, where they'll just use the same song again. Michael Giacchino is fantastic, one of my favourite composers of all time, but mm. all his like superhero type music, except the Batman, feel similar. Like Spider-Man theme and his Marvel right. theme and his Doctor Strange theme, they all feel similar in a lot of ways. Right. Maybe because you've got genre similarities, but then again, you've got Batman and his Batman score is fucking sublime, but it's also so unlike anything I'm used to. Mm. Ludwig Gonson just feel like a different composer each time. When you show me the Black Panther score and the Turning Red score and the Fruitvale Station score and like the the you know, the, Ludwig, the Oppenheimer score, I'm like these are completely different. The guy has grasped a completely different way of doing a, mm. a, a an oral musical language, and he's just like ah easy done. What next? Yeah. Like what's he up to next? Okay, he's, damn man. So I just, wanted to, I just wanted to give him his praise. Hang I thought it was fantastic. It. It's not my favourite one of his scores. Yeah. Because there's not a lot of unique things I can pull out. But as part of the movie experience, yeah, it perfectly adds to it. Damn, man. I did really like, maybe this isn't so much Ludwig, but I almost like the, the weird, the trailer, the foot stamping effect. You know, the, 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 
Do you know the foot stamping effect? Yeah. That was there from like the earliest trailers and it was right. so unsettling and so, it would always get fascinated. Like, what is that? And it was so droning and like to go through the movie and it, you hears the drums and all that and yeah. to go through to that, obviously that fantastic scene, it's, oh, it's him being celebrated for something that he despises. Yeah. It's him being lauded and praised for something he immediately is regretting as much as possible mm. and the emotion of that, that was like a great sound. Like sound design is a better way of putting it. Sound design movies off the bloody chain. Yeah. What, what did you feel when the bomb blew up? Man, that's a, ooh, that's a scene, bro. I mean, like that I say, that's the, it's the genuine dramatic climax of the entire film. Mm. And uh, I, I don't know how you film a nuclear explosion, but if we're going to do it, that's probably it. I love the, the <laughs> pulling back perspectives, like the like the, the bunker getting hit by the sound wave first, and mm. then like the guys who were like, slightly closer, and then you yeah. get to like, the guys who were far enough away that they only just heard it like in the distance. Yeah. The silence and then the jerk. Fantastic. The, the big like, ah, oh, it just, whoa, I remember my whole body being like, whoa. Man, if you think like this goes good, like Interstellar's is much better. Yeah, <laughs> no, I can't even pretend. I mean, Interstellar, I know the song that's like on all the TikToks and that, and it's just a good song. Inception. Inception. Like that, Inception like, had music in it. I don't remember Inception. Inception, fever. the song was. It's a fever dream. Yeah. Do you have a bit that goes. In every trailer ever. Oh, yeah. I, I, I think it was a success. I think it was an around the world, just sublime movie experience. W. Yup. I'm so happy. It's the second best IMO. Oh, so you're like, Interstellar's my favourite, but holy shit, Oppenheimer's there? Yeah. Okay. Ah, yeah, I think it's the best of the ones I've seen. I've only seen the Batman's and Memento and Inception. And Interstellar. And Interstellar, obviously. Yeah. And Oppenheimer. And Oppenheimer. Hey, don't downplay yourself. That's like seven movies. I've seen three. I've seen the Batman. <laughs> well, it's yeah. better than Batman Begins. Oh, man, and that's a fucking good movie. It's a good movie. I don't like it as much as a lot of other movies, but man, it's like so a you, good movie. You think it goes two or three, one? Probably. Yeah, I'd say so. Man. If you caught me on a day when I was high on crack, I'd, three, say, two, one. I'd say three, two, one. Which is like insane, but I have a lot of like I have Dumbled. a lot of good memories associated with Dark Knight Rises, so I that's like, like internal bias. I like Dark Knight Rises. That's great. I was severely underappreciated at the time. Absolutely phenomenal film. Good time, man. Um, but yeah, I mean, two is just literally perfect. Like that's that's nearly a flawless film in a lot of ways. Oh, man, he's good at making flawless movies. This guy, isn't he? Yeah, Chris Nolan just goes in that fucking kitchen and he cooks a motherfucking I, film. I do think he's. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'll say I'm glad he's not going to retire after ten. Oh <laughs> yeah, I. We do have the upcoming. I think he's made, he's made 10 already, so I'm, 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 I'm glad he's not going to retire anytime soon. By the way, Oppenheimer was my last. Oh, fuck, man. What a way to go. We need to see how that pans out with Tarantino, jeez. Yeah, because they're like the last ones, and I like the way they make movies. <laughs> I don't see. want them to stop. You're going to start crying. Tarantino, <laughs> oh. Scorsese's probably going to have to stop talking soon. Oh, he is, isn't he? Fucking it's okay, I'll just, I'll just watch their movies again. Can I ask <laughs> I a guess. question that's terrible for a cinephile to ask? Is Francis Ford Coppola dead? I think so. Sophia Coppola's film's coming out soon. She makes movies. She does make movies. I've only seen one, I think. I've only seen Sophia Coppola once and it was in uh, The Godfather Part 3. And do you know what? And do you know she what? Was just fine, wasn't, wasn't that bad. Do you know what? I would have preferred one on either, but... Well, I would have preferred one on either, absolutely. Just that's what we got. This it? is actually before we need to watch the Coda Cut. I've got the 4K Steelbook of the Coda I've Cut. I've got the Coda Cut. So oh, we man. need to watch that. I'm keen on that. We need to do it. I maybe watched them all again. It was me and one of the first major successes of our family watchings or yes. watchings in general, just as friends watching having movie night was The Godfather and yes. I, The Godfather's like I one of my favourite movies of all time, Godfather one and two. It's uh one of the ones that if you said it to anyone they would not be mad at you. 
I think that, I think Godfather One's like a perfect film. Although there's a really great Family Guy bit, which is a sentence I'll never say again in my life. Uh where like they they're like they're about to drown, and Peter's like, "I'm just gonna come and say it. I did not care for the Godfather." Oh, and like I mean, every, everyone in the family like, breaks character and drowning. And like, what do you mean? Like Lois is like, "What, what, what do you mean? You don't, it was a great film." And like, Chris is like, "Fine." He's like, "Oh, it's a great film, you know, like Marlon Brando." You know? Yeah. <laughs> I feel that way. I mean, oh. there's not two could be better, man. Who knows? It's it's uh, one of those ones where the sequel genuinely is as good, if not better, than the original. Yeah, I think it's absolutely. It's a rare occurrence, but it's when they hit, they hit. Yes. When they, hit, they hit. when they hit, it hit. It's usually like like really like holy shit! It was a really good film, and then the second one got even better. Yeah. Although maybe there's others and we just don't remember the, the less successful. Like oh, the first one was alright, but the second one. Oh. Kung Fu Panda. I mean, okay, not to display Kung Don't Fu Panda. I think I've seen two or three. You've not seen Kung Fu Panda two. Don't think so. Kung Fu Panda two is insanely good. Gary Oldman is a fucking peacock, and he's like a great violent villain. And Paul goes through like some great shit, and it's so like layered in the storytelling, and the visual department. Kung Fu Panda one is good. It's a great like DreamWorks movie. Kung Fu Panda two is like one of the best animated movies ever made. Damn man. I mean, there's the obvious answer, which is Shrek one and two. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah, Shrek like, two is just immediately miles, miles better than, than one. But one's also still great. Uh, one is quite good. I I, I don't give Shrek enough credit. Talk about a movie that doesn't yet have sequels. Probably will. Probably will. According to a tweet today by Mattel, that they were very interested in exploring. They're interested in exploring movies about their figures, right? Uh, about their, their character. Yeah, let's quickly mention that Mattel have got like licenses out to make movies. That, out of every fucking toy prop that they own. I think it's going to go poorly. I think it's going to go poorly. I think it's not, like, I, I like the gusto. Mm. I think the only thing that might be show promise is if they keep doing what they've been doing so far, which is, like, don't put their hand in it. So, like, the, the, I mean, Daniel Kaluuya is like, I'm going to do a Barney movie. It's going to be, a, it's going to be an adult. It's going to be an A24 adult. It's, it's going, going to, to be weird. Kids. It's going to be weird. <laughs> it's going to be weird. Vin like, oh, I'm going to make a rock and suck and robots movie. I'm the robot. You know? The movies. Fucking James, not, not James, J.J. Uh, Abrams is doing a Hot Wheels movie. Let's go. And then the day the list was like Uno, Thomas the Tank Engine, Masters of the Universe. That could be fun. Masters of the Universe could be fun if they do it right. Did they not cancel a Masters of the Universe pro, pro recently? Yeah, uh, they had a cartoon on Netflix, I think. Uh, Kevin Smith did it. Oh, it was the live action show on Netflix. Is that? Pretty sure it was that. Kevin Smith was involved, I think, somewhere. I thought he was involved in the current, like, the pure, the proper animated show that was doing. I don't know, man. He's involved I'm, somewhere in Masters I'm of the Universe. I'm not even in that. Cyclotop with the He-Man is not even on my radar. Nah, it's, it's before our time. Pretty much. Although, I mean, I engage with, like, fucking G.I. Joe, so maybe one day I'll circle around on He-Man. Yeah. But, um, yeah, this is led, of course, at the top of the list, at the leading the chart, the bright shining pinnacle, is Barbie. It's Barbie. We went to the, the six o'clock show. No IMAX for Barbie, unfortunately. No, no IMAX for her. Oh, Graham. What? <laughs> Graham, what did you think of Barbie? I did not like this film. Oh, really. he's coming I've turned up to your Mojo Dojo Casa house oh. and said I don't like the colour of the wallpapers. Oh my god. Oh, I can't believe you'd say that in the podcast. I can't believe you'd say that publicly. Oh, I fucking love this movie so much. Why? <laughs> Why do I love this movie? I think this movie Explain is... Explain it to me. And I, I think it's a brilliant, brilliant movie. I think it's a very good movie. <laughs> First off, I want to just say Barbie is everything. <laughs> Right. And I think they took that to heart with the, the marketing. I, yeah. I think no one knew what this movie was going to be until we were in the theatre. Pretty much, I. You know, I when we were in the cinema, there were trailers for like the Un next... Until we got out of Barbie Land, I didn't know what this movie was going to be. Was and then it that. was pretty obvious what it was going to be. I am... Um, and the, tra the trailers for this movie were like Girls Trip and Strays, that like adult like dog movie with swears in Which it. And then also looks like great. Disney's Wish. 
Yeah. So it was like, there's going to be kids in the audience like hearing a dog go, I'm going to buy this car off. Like, yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? Is I love that. And I love that this movie was just like, it was like an energy experience. <laughs> it was like Greta Gerwig was like I have this concept there was Kennedy I can't there lie there was Kennedy there was absolutely Kennedy there was Kennedy through the roof there was lots of Kennedy I think she was like I have this like what I'm, I know what I'm going to say and I'm just going to like allow it to become an experience mm-hmm. uh, that's why I say Mattel just Mattel clearly just let her go maybe they had some things you had to do but yeah. I mean the, the way that Mattel itself as a company is like almost slandered in this movie mm-hmm. you're surprised that Mattel like yeah we endorse this Yeah. talk about how we're like all run by men and we're we're not really the best for women and we have big grey evil offices where everyone's miserable yeah why did I like this movie I like this movie because it was a visual experience unlike anything else it was a fascinating engagement with the source material the way in which they took Barbie as a concept Barbie as a toy Barbie lore <laughs> like the different Ken's different Barbies Midge uh, Alan yeah all discontinued Barbie figures that was cool the the way they maintained the toy aesthetic for the Barbie set of stuff like yeah having showers having no water coming out of them having like cups of drinks that have got no liquid coming out of them. That was good. How they maintain a concept of a toy law, excellent. The actors, oh my God, are they acting. <laughs> Ryan Gosling has reached some some spiritual, emotional nirvana. <laughs> Ryan Gosling is, 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 is took on a different being at this point. Oh God. Margot Robbie is just one of the national, tre- the national treasures of cinema at this point. Margot Robbie is, I, I feel we still don't appreciate it enough. I really need to appreciate her more. What? I just she, not appreciate I, I her enough. I don't know, but we just need to say nicer things about her. We just haven't said enough nice but things about her. But we know she's great. I told you, Harley Quinn. I should get snubbed for I told you. She's the one that Oscar for that. Fucking so, she gets snubbed for I told you so badly. Oh my God, everybody who's like, again, like the Christopher Nolan cameo circus, this one's like, oh, everyone who they brought in for like that one Ken or that one Barbie. Oh, <laughs> and like, I think what the movie went to say was good. I think but it's a... I want to tiptoe through like fucking social and politics and shit. I was going to come and say it. the movie is fucking big on like feminist message and it's big on like fucking. Do you know what? In the current age, it's shit for women in a lot of ways and it's really beneficial for men in a lot of ways. And the movie stated these things in no uncertain terms. And I believe that like I think we need that. I think we need movies like this to fucking gateway us into it. I need. We think we need firm emphatic statements to make you think about it. I think uh, uh, Graham's doing the fucking Mr. Burns excellent. He's, but he's, not, he's like doing the little, like, I don't fucking have good thoughts. I don't think the movie itself says, though, like, oh man, all women are suffering and all men are fucking terrible. The mm. movie's just like, by the way, this is a situation that exists in the world which is bad. The movie gives plenty of, like, leeway to, like, for example, the male characters, like, they're big, like, Ken's, I mean, this is <laughs> Ken's pretty much, like, the villain by the end. But the movie doesn't expressly just say like Ken did a patriarchy and patriarchies are bad because men are bad and women are bad women. It did like a whole thing about like the concept of the patriarchy has poisoned us as people and we have sustained, created and sustained sort of an un- like a terrible situation for everyone. Like there is men at the top who are causing issues but there's also men at the bottom who are just fucking dumb incels and like people who don't really know what they're doing with themselves and it's a horrible unsustainable situation and women catch the brunt of it. And that's a big message that it was stated in no uncertain terms. And I'm like, fuck yeah. Like, fucking yes, good. America Ferreira is exceptional in this movie. She just gives such an excellent, like, just bang, bang, bang dialogue. And I know you're like, oh, you're, oh, 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 he's seething. And, uh, but then uh, also I think it's, it's, it's very demeaning to say that that's all the movie's about. Because it's also about just the concept of what does a person do with themselves. 
like where do they fit in a situation you know like Margot Robbie's Barbie doesn't understand where she fits in because she has no like designated purpose but then she's like do you need a designated purpose do you need to find a purpose is living itself a purpose in mm. itself Ken's the same Ken's like the resolution of Ken's thing isn't just like fucking stop being an incel it's Ken's suffering because he can't identify himself because he only sees it through his lens of that predisposed you need to be for Barbie so it's like Ken needs to like stop being there for Barbie and learn like what he's about as well it says a lot about that and it looked really cool and all the music was great all the songs were great Charlie XCX Stream Speed Drive by Charlie XCX Stream Barbie World by Ice Spice and Nicki Minaj Young Money Young Money Nicki Minaj Justin <laughs> I, 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 I was great it was great I loved watching it the songs were good I felt like oh there you go we've got them <laughs> the songs were good that, right okay I've had oh, my grand God, no. You, it's your turn. <laughs> oh, fuck. I don't even, I, you and man, I cannot summon the strength because I feel like you're just going to shout at me. <laughs> no, do you know what? I will emphatically promise you I will not shout at you. Or, or right. turn down. I, I've had a rant, you can have a rant. I've no rant, it's just my opinion, I swear. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm not going to shout, I'm not gonna, I'll, I can maybe debate later, but say your piece. Um, you've, got, you've got the floor. Just, why did you not like the movie? Why did I not like the movie? Uh, well, I'll say what I did like first, right? Absolutely. Start positive, okay? The licensed music is great. That's one of the positives. Even though I've heard it like on the radio we're working up to it, and that normally like turns me off of it because I'm like, oh, just it's overplayed now. But uh, I really like all the songs that are in it. I think Billie Eilish's song's really good. I never really gave that enough credit. Uh, like, I like it, but I think this is more like a Billie Eilish critique. I think she's just, like, too samey now. Like, every song is very heady, like, mm, Do you know what? You know, yeah. everything sounds like that to me now. I will say, Billie Eilish's song is really good and really moving, especially how it's used in the movie. Mm. But it also does sound like a couple of Billie Eilish yeah. songs. So yeah, so that's more a Billie Eilish critique yeah, yeah, than yeah, yeah. actual Barbie. Speed I think Speed Drive by Charlie XCX is fantastic. Yes, that was cool. It was a good scene to use it in as well. Yeah. The acting, I can't fault. Margot Robbie, as we know, one of the best actresses of our generation. Ryan Gosling, as we know, I'm him, literally. It's literally me. I was, Graham, did you know I was in this movie? I, I saw you, bro. I saw I you think, there. Were you in the movie? I think I was there, yeah. Graham was in the movie. Literally him. Literally he, him. Literally me. Yes. Ryan Gosling, one of my favourite actors of all time, is acting his ass off. He's having a great time. Every actor is doing their best, and their best is great, right? What they're saying, I don't like. <laughs> I don't disagree with your message at the end there about Barbie's journey of self-exploration because she has generic Barbie and she does have to struggle with that at the very end of the film. I just think it swooped in at the end to give you that because after 30 minutes of this movie, it just became man-hate to me. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. And I don't... I personally don't think there's a patriarchy, right? I don't think that's a thing that's existing, right? Oh, yeah. We're getting cancelled, bro. I don't think that exists, Okay. I think we've all got it pretty bad, right? Maybe some more than others, but I don't think that necessarily means there's a patriarchy running everything. I think that view and stance this took on, like, me <laughs> as a male of the species felt very targeted, and I'm not happy for it. As but someone who liked Zack Snyder's Justice League. As someone who liked Zack Snyder's Justice League, that job did not need to be in there, because we all know a baby could watch Zack Snyder's Justice League and say, that was better than Whedon's Cut, wasn't it, bro? And would would agree because he's right. I did feel a bit targeted by the uh, the one that were like, oh man, I waited to distract Dickens to like ask about his favorite movie. And it's like it's the Godfather. The Godfather. We've already without even thinking about it. We've, we've already just sat and talked about the Godfather because we know film bros love the Godfather. It's one of Coppola's best. Yeah, 
I don't really know how to explain the feelings because I'm not smart like that. I think Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach, who are a good writing team, they're married, so they have like an intimate understanding of each other's work. I just don't agree with what they're trying to say in this film, I think. And they could just be like super smart and I'm not getting it. But what I have got from it, I, I don't like. So I don't really know where to go from there. I don't, yeah. I, I don't really know where to go from there. Well, I don't, <laughs> I disagree with you on multiple levels. <laughs> on all the ones that are important. <laughs> all the ones that are important. <laughs> I, this is very heady for scenes. We're, we're, two, we're getting we're into it. That are very, I don't, I don't believe you're like a big woman hater or something. I don't hate women. I quite like women. Personally, I've dated, dated a woman. I know at least three women. Like. I know at least three women. And I'm obviously my not... mother's a woman. I'm the son to mother. Right? Son <laughs> As Will Ferrell spoke. No, I don't pretend to be the expert on account of the females in the audience. Pillar and stones hanging between my legs, and my personal choice to identify with the pillar and stones. I think it's that issue of perspective, and I don't think I'm going to sit here and convert you to a fucking bleeding heart liberal cuck, but. <laughs> I just think, so, this is going to sound like wild, this is going to sound absolutely fucking insane, but the movie that basically gave me like a bit of a shake up to how I, I view things about this was fucking Captain Marvel. Right. I watched Captain Marvel and I'm like, I, don't really, I really enjoyed that, it was cool, and then I, I somehow, probably just because I was in the MCU sphere, stumbled into some reviews and women talking about it specifically from their own perspective, so it wasn't just like, oh, Taylor's is cool and I like the music, it was like, oh, by the way, as a woman... Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm doing reading of this because of the things that I've experienced separate. Mm. Captain Marvel, they're talking about, um, like, and yeah, okay, we can have shared experiences, but the, the more frequent and common experience of, like, they were saying in Captain Marvel, it's very sort of relevant how she goes through this whole situation of being manipulated and gaslit and it believing in one particular thing by a predominantly male figure. Mm. And the movie's about her sort of experiences, like self-discovery, sort of self-actualization, rejecting the sort of fabricated reality she's been sort of duped into, mm. sort of linking with her female friends. She's got Monica, like, strength and sort of solidarity. And I remember I read that and I'm like, I don't really get that. But then, I, for some reason, that was the time when I clicked and I said, I don't really get that, but, like, maybe I'm not really supposed to. I'm not saying I need to. I'm not saying Brie Larson said, Tomorrowland is not for 40-year-old white men. And that's fine, because movies need to be made for everyone. This movie is just not for me. That, and I don't think it's for men. I, I spite that comment. I don't think movies need to be made for everyone. No, um, not, like, for the general populace. I mean, everyone should have a movie. Like, right, yeah. like Predator's not for women, probably, but I love Predator, because <laughs> I'm a big man and I like muscles. Right. Well, I don't think that's explicitly. I think this is this is where your perspective is coming. I'm sure women love big muscles. They probably do, but it's not as much as the men that like Predator. See, I, I disagree. You maybe do. I think because what are the numbers? You're... What are the numbers? What are the numbers? How many women are seen Barbie? How many men are seen Oppenheimer? <laughs> I need to know. Barbie. I need to know. I think this is. I get like the whole the pushing that, but as in an enlightened society, what we need to understand is that men and women fundamentally should be viewed pretty much exactly the same. Right. But we're different. Yes, but we're only as different as we make them. How do I you acknowledge the, the difference in men and women in terms of concrete things that we need to be concerned about. For example, I don't have a risk. As a, as a fucking biological, like, assigned male at birth who identifies as a man, I don't... This is a fucking wild tangent. <laughs> uh, I don't, like, personally... I'm not at fucking risk of cervical cancer because I don't fucking have a cervix. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. So that's obviously a difference. Yeah, that's off table. Yeah. But I don't sit here and I think... Oh, I fucking, do you know what? I love Predator. Predator's a man's movie. It's a fucking man-sized movie. If I go into a room and a woman's like, oh, dude, Predator was fucking cool, I'd be like, hell yeah, Predator was fucking yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. And that being said, though, 
contrarianly, as a movie takes a stand, like nothing about Predator takes a stance of like, oh man, do you know what? Men. It's yeah, just a yeah. bunch of men in a jungle. And I get Aye. the concept of like, it's a manly slant, but that, I con- like, we're just presenting things that we as a populace just perceived to be manly uh-huh. versus Barbie saying emphatically feminist messages. Like I have an emphatically feminist approach and I'm directly speaking to the female experience. Mm-hmm. Those are two different things to me. And I think it, movies like this, as you say, movies should be for them. So this good woman should have a movie where they can concretely express the fucking frustrations of loving. I mean, you you said to me, and I'm gonna, no, I'm not okay, I'm not gonna call you out, call you out. To, but I just want to point out, you said to me that you found it a bit much, like sort of some of the more emphatic statements. Yeah, it was preachy to me. Yeah, right, you thought it was a bit preachy, and you think that's anti-man, but that's no, the preachiness isn't. It's what they're saying. What do you mean? That they're saying like it's just like they run it, they run us into the ground, they literally just hate us. But then you're not engaging with the, the text other than that. Like, Ken, the version of the patriarchy example in this movie is like the concept taken to an extreme mm-hmm. by a fucking toy. Yes. We, in the actual experience of the real world, uh-huh. in a shade of grey, Ken goes to a fucking hospital and he's talking to a doctor. And, the and it's a woman. woman. And he's like, oh, well, oh, surely a man should be a doctor. And it's like, well, no, it's not quite like that. Mm-hmm. It, the patriarchy isn't the Illuminati. The patriarchy is more just that, like, we as a society have ingrained this concept mm. and it fundamentally trends into disenfranchising women over men. I'm not saying to you that you're out there like denying jobs for women and furthering the wage gap, but like just looking at the bigger picture scale, women make less than men. We can take steps to make it better, but until there's just flat equal wages, that's just how it is. And even if you're like not consciously like, well, I don't like actively think I hate a woman, these things just end up unfortunately happening or they end up happening because they were intended to happen. But like, there's loads of factors as to why that gap might be a gap. You, you can say that, but then if you look at the numbers and then it's just like, well, okay, Diane yeah, but, and Bob both work a fucking shift and Diane makes 375 and Bob makes four. Is it the same job you're looking at? Well, they have done analysis on that, yeah. Right. I've seen some studies that are unfortunately a bit flawed, but they do miss out. Aye, because if like, that. just CEO and she's fucking working the tills, there's going to be a difference nobody's there. Nobody's going to fucking compare that. Aye, but I'm saying they? like that could be what's skewing it. I, the people will and, and put that in, but yeah. that's deeply unfair to like oh, to both the people sides. doing this. Yes. Aye. yes. And I, yeah, I've read plenty of studies that are actually like, no, no, this is just like fucking like categorical numbers across like the breadth of another thing is like the actual presence of women in the jobs, mm. which is the movie directly is like yeah, I don't know what Mattel's current board of directors is like. Maybe there is women in there, yeah. hopefully, but um, it's not wrong that there is all this unfortunate constant instance of like. Mm. But there's like so many factors that, that could be. Maybe women just haven't applied for the job. Maybe there is no one genuinely qualified enough to be in that position. Maybe there was, but they've had to leave something. Maybe this guy has worked his whole life and he's got to that position and now we're turning down because he's a guy. There is a level of that, but see, unfortunately, there's not like a discriminatory aspect to that when it, you also need to consider like different perspectives. I do think that the, the system is like fucked up like that. But the problem is, you're saying like women aren't applying for this. We don't really know the breadth of like how are women not getting to this position. That's what I'm saying. Like, there could be many be different steps. Reach that level. Aye, but that again, again, there's so many factors that we could never know. That's completely understandable if you want to look at the minutia. The problem is, you think that by looking at the minutia, that just means that the the grander narrative is is less relevant. These things are just still obliquely true. That men often like are in position of power. Are in position of power. Women are often prevented from it. There's often like women are paid less. Prevented and from it. And you can say it's completely possible. I mean, there's just it's possible. But I don't know if it's of, like fucking. Well, I wouldn't hire because she's a woman. People complain like women can't do this. Women can't do that. There's literally constant like fucking recordings throughout history. Like, well, we can't let women into government because women are hysterical. But they listen, have a baby and then launch the Today, well, the point is, is today better. Yes. 
Yes. Do I think it's a patriarchy? But, but that's the thing. You think patriarchy is like a, a thing? You think patriarchy is like... That's a, what the movie's telling me it is. No, the movie's saying the patriarchy is a concept and it's exploring it through the vehicle of a fucking toy. It's like, well, patriarchy's horses and men ruling everything. You're taking it a subjective concept, literally, even though the movie's basically trying to use a literal concept to try and enlighten you to it. It's trying to make you think about it. And you're only thinking about it, well, I don't think it's real. And the movie's I too don't silly. I don't think it's real. <laughs> the, you think there's not a patriarchy building. The Department of Patriarchy down the road is not real. That's not real, right? It's, it's a framework through which you understand this, the, the generalised issues. But I don't agree with the frame. Because I don't think the frame is real. But see, then we have to get down to the brass tacks of like, yeah, <laughs> I don't fucking suffer. Well, no. You say like, oh man, I don't think there's an issue with women. I've got my own problems. Women probably like have their own problems. But like the problem is, is like we don't go through the same shit that women go through. Mm. That's the thing that fucking American Ferrera was talking about in this film. We don't go through the shit like that. I don't fucking get the pressure of like fucking like body weight. The only person who puts the pressure on my body weight is me because I just fucking wish I was thinner. But women have to actually fucking deal with these things mm. on a concrete term. And whether it's yeah. like on occasion or not, it's just a thing that they have to deal with either completely in spite of randomly or just on a persistent, pervasive basis. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like when I hear women tell me I have experienced this uh -huh. and it's a thing that's like, you think maybe like sexual harassment, yeah. for example, theoretically it could happen to men and it does. But it's but much less. Fucking absolute abject fraction of the amount. Mm -hmm. And I still care about both. Yeah. Both's terrible, but when a woman literally is fucking telling me this, and these aren't like just like conceptuals, this is like, by the way, this happened, this happened, this happened, and this happened. Mm. I'm like, well, fuck, that's never once in my entire life happened to me. Yeah. And I don't have any reason to believe it ever will, to be quite frank. Yes. I don't want to just say it's not for us and leave it at that. I think. I think it isn't, right? And I don't think, I just don't think it will be for me. There's I think maybe. It won't be for you as long as you don't let it be for you. I'm trying, man. And I'm not saying <laughs> it needs to be like a movie for you, it's just when I see movies like this, where maybe the, the actual concrete lived experience like isn't is something I can fully relate to. I instead have to look at like what are they trying to tell me though? And that's why I'm really sort of big on this movie because it's like, well, okay, for the people who don't actually know what this is or experience it, listen to us talk. Mm. And I, I'm not gonna I don't feel I don't wanna accuse you. I wouldn't say you're like hates women or bam and anything like that. I do want to just make sure that you're like not just I don't get it, so I don't like it. You know what I mean? They're telling you this. Mm. They're having to make a movie where America Ferrera looks in the camera and says, this is why it's hard to be a woman. And uh -huh. you're going, well, I just don't think it's that bad though. No, I'm not saying it's not hard to be a woman. I'm just saying, I think they went too hard the other way. <laughs> but how? I don't know, man. It just it didn't feel right for me. I didn't like it. <laughs> because they made a joke about Zack Snyder's Justice League. That hurt. That definitely hurt. That knocked five points off. I love that. I fucking laughed hard at that joke. That, like, that hurt. Me too. Like, oh. fuck those guys. Like, Aye, that hurt, but not much. <laughs> you know, I can't change heaven and earth here, and I don't want to come off as myself a preacher, but, like, I'm really absorbed these days and just, I don't know, maybe I'm hashtag woke, but, like, actually what woke means, as in being aware of social political issues and not mm. a right-wing buzzword because Ben Shapiro didn't like seeing a fucking nipple. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I feel like, what's the point of me feeling like, oh, it was preacher, you know, it didn't really apply to me? But, I don't know if there's a point, it's just how I feel, though. It's, like, fine, though. Yeah. Like, fine, I didn't, I didn't talk about anything I care about. I'm fucking so happy that women have that. And I'm so happy that women can sit there and say this and talk about issues that are concretely affect them. Like, if it's not going to give anything to me, who is it giving something for? As long as it's not giving something to bad people. Mm. You know what I mean? If this was, like, the fucking the Barbie Nazi movie and it was like, oh, no, the Nazis have got a platform. I'm like, well, no, I got a minute. I don't really agree with that. I don't really quite get that. But this is people speaking to an experience 
that they have to deal with, trying their best to record it to give themselves an emotional center, something to rally behind. People who do experience it, like, yeah, I agree, to promote, to explore, to talk. And then even if at the chorus of terms where I'm like, well, I don't really feel that way, I don't really get that. Mm. I just don't want to use that as an excuse to then put a wall between me and it. I want to just be like, well, okay, maybe I didn't get that and that, but, you know, it's still interesting, it's still relevant, it's still worth it that they get to say that things. Aye. Just because I don't get it doesn't mean they shouldn't have got to say it. I'm not saying that. I'm saying it's. I'm happy it's there, because even if the Nazis do want to make a movie, they can go fucking make the movie. For God's doesn't sake. doesn't matter if I like it or not. No, please don't let the Nazis make a movie. <laughs> That's not the message I'm trying to impart. Oh. So that's, that's my point, right? That's the extreme example, obviously. I guess, I guess. Point that, is, that. I'm happy it exists. Also, if the Nazis did make a movie, we'd just say, hey, fucking don't go watch it. It's a shitty Nazi Yeah, movie. probably don't go see that Fair, one. I'll give you that. Sorry, I'll give you that. Rip that one online, probably, if you want to. Fucking, that's the 4chan movie. Aye, that's the one. Aye, I'm happy it's there because you can make what you want. I'm happy some people have found enjoyment in it. They've found a message in it that they can get behind and enjoy. But it's not me. It's not for me. So I'm just not going to engage with it until one comes along that I do like and I can hear the message in it and I can understand the message in it and I think that's a message worth listening to. Not that this isn't that, but I just can't quite get to it. I don't know what it is. Okay. No, okay. Playing <laughs> away with some weird looks. <laughs> no, I, I was trying my best to, to like resign it to you because... You don't have to resign it. We can no, go for it if you want. <laughs> back and forth. No, because that's like, yeah, I can't... I had to give you the grounds of that. You know, it's more important to me that it's that you know your feelings are in spite of it. You know, I, I, the, the, why would the, it be the basic? Well, I mean, I you know, know, I don't hate women, <laughs> bro. I mean, the, the fucking tape says otherwise. Oh my god! Yeah, I, the, the the fundamental idea of just they've expressed a, a concept that I don't understand in a way that has sort of necessarily not gelled with me. While I might disagree with that, I can't really sit and like fucking tell you to just get it. You know what I mean? Man, maybe I'll like Little Women. Well, I, want to watch, I want to watch the rest of the Greta Girl stuff. I want to watch uh, Lady Bird. Maybe I like a subtler message. I think the problem is sometimes subtler messages don't quite get it. That's possible. That's my, my thought. One of the reasons why I was big on this was like, man, I like that we've got to the point now where you just need to stare into the camera and say these things so people are <laughs> to listen. That's quite possible. He just doesn't get involved. I'm just living my own life. Spend, like, what, how long have we spent now? Maybe about an hour or so. Yeah, enough an hour. Political ah, <laughs> issues. But who knows, man? I don't know political issues. I don't know. Why well, I don't think it's a political, political issue. That's another issue. It's not political. It's societal. Pervasive, it's societal. Women's like right to exist unhampered. Isn't it a political issue? I think I use political interchangeably like no, another no, type of issue. Well, people just don't really like think about it, and that's the. But it'll that. probably become a political issue now. Let's be honest. <laughs> I mean, unfortunately, the problem is like the mediation. It's like America fucking overturning like abortion rights and that, for example. It's like they make these Wait. lifestyle issues a political issue. Mm-hmm. Because it's convenient, because they're full of hatred, and because they know it'll get clicks and views and engagement. That's a big thing about the Republican Party in America, that a lot of the stuff they do is just fucking, like, okay, well, if we, like, decide we hate the gays, we hate the trans, like, all the old people out in Wyoming will vote for us, so absolutely. Like, genocide now, and then they get all the votes, and then they get in the government, and they're like, cool, now we can start passing all the laws that steal all the taxes and give them to us. And it's like, great, the American two-party system is fucked, and you know what? The British government's fucked, and you know what? The world government's fucked, and, uh... I do believe that the chain reaction started by the first nuclear bomb blast will actually destroy the world. It's quite possible. Cinematography was good. Sure, yeah, yeah. I, the visuals yeah. were good. Barbie Line looked, looked great. great. Yeah. I like the sort of the heightened reality of a lot of the things in the real world as well. But the Mattel HQ was like just like silly. Big it was HQ. just like heightened reality. Aye. Yeah, all the performances were great. The music was great. 
Hi Xander, Desplat. Uh, I'm sorry, I say like Desplat. I, I need to see if it's like Desplat or like Desplat or however you pronounce it specifically. But Wes Anderson's composer worked on Barbie, and I'm like, this just feels like a movie that I get having a Wes Anderson sort of like <laughs> a wee bit of sprinkle, a wee bit of the magic. A bit of magic. <sighs> Certainly colourful, like Wes Anderson movies. <laughs> Colour this was exceptional. It was weirdly like, yeah, if you like know your Barbie stuff, it was like good for Barbie people. I'd assume it like would be, Barbies. come on. Yeah. They've got like real outfits and like the places and the characters. Oh. Yeah. Helen Mirren was great. She had some of my favourite laughs in the movie. Helen Mirren. Just like the sudden. Well, she had, there was the narrative at the beginning and she jumped back twice just for jokes. Yeah. And they're completely random and suddenly Helen Mirren jumps in with an extra joke and it was so exceptional. I, I do like that they really they had the bit with like Barbie's creator and everything as well. Hmm. Like that was all just really nice. And sweet stuff and yeah i mean to get it off of the stuff that maybe you're less likely to understand even if you think it came in a bit late like that was a universal message that was like a you know a lot of us you know all the characters in this do sort of really at their core are grappling with like sort of the revision and their own perspective on their place in the world and like mm. how we get there and how to interact with it. and each character sort of draws their own conclusions as well which you know is a great message mm-hmm. and i think it was put across in a really great way and even if you don't maybe think, obviously, as you say, it maybe could have led up to it more. And blah, 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 blah. But I I feel like, yeah. you have to admit, the actual, for example, the scenes with, like, the creator of Barbie and the whole concept of, like, Barbie sort of going to the real world and that, I thought that, you know, that was good. It was moving. Yeah. I didn't, like, shed any tears, although I, I something, I have to really be pressed to, like, cry or, like, properly feel at movies now. Mm. I've met me the autism. My brain just sort of has to be like, oh, you Turn feelings on. You should feel yeah. feelings. Oh shit, I hope not. What the feel of feels. I'm feeling something about like this. Yeah, damn man. Barbie. Barbie. is a movie. It's a mess for me, it's a hit for him. Yeah, and you know what? I, you know, we, we've had. That is probably the closest we've ever come to a proper friendship argument. <laughs> and it wasn't even an argument, it was good, healthy debate. And I would never pin it on you that you hate women, and I don't agree with Thank all you. that. We joke about it. We because absolutely joke about it. Me and Rebecca, my partner, and Graham's partner as well. And we all joke like, oh, Graham just hates men. No, women. Graham hates men too. I hate everyone. We equally. All, we all joke that Graham hates women. But I, I don't believe that of you. Yes. I just think, you know, in a, in a intensely, like, socially conscious and politically active age, I just want to, I guess I can never control you, but I, I really want to make sure I do my best to help you understand these things. Mm. And, you know, I, I, I think I define myself, but obviously you disagree with that. <laughs> What do you mean? Well, I think this discussion is like, oh man, Graham's going down the wrong path. Is what I think you're thinking in your head. <laughs> well, it's not so much you're going down the wrong path. I just think you're aligned on the wrong end of the spectrum. But like, if you think of like a whole like, like one of those like sort of elevator light. Like, I'm leaning more right. You're leaning more left. <laughs> pretty much, but I, I mean, politics aside, I kind of look at it more in like a sort of a moral right and a moral wrong type of thing. And man, I love in the grey. I don't really, because <laughs> I, I don't want to say you're objectively morally wrong. I just like. I just want to help you get more aligned with like the collective good. It's barely efficient the collective good that we as a society explore and then work our way to resolve these types of issues. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's before the collective moral good that like we treat everyone equally. Yes. But then I'm not. You know, it's not like my. I'm not on a moral crusade. I don't. I don't make that decision. <laughs> I. I'm not the guy to really make it. I just. The only thing I can do is treat everyone I meet correctly, personally. I'll give you that as long as you do that. I My thought is more just I have, I feel like I have the responsibility not to like change people's mind, but just give them the information. I've been through a lot in my life where I've been maybe not the best about things. I've maybe said pensive things or like you treated people maybe differently. I'm not like quite bad. I, I'm not saying I've been some grand race in the past, but I know, for example, you go through my tweets for like 
I'm about a decade ago. I mean, the point, like, you get my point. Mm-hmm. You dig up my old tweets or like you find my fucking Overwatch chat log histories. Yeah. You'll find things that aren't great. Yeah. If my Xbox history does get leaked, um, I'm over. He is it's done. gone, bro. He is easily 10 years. Easily, yes. Um, <laughs> And I found that through like education of a topic and understanding alternative perspectives, it's helped me feel better about myself. It's helped me to like grow past the things that I feel like I've done wrong and also just to feel better about me myself in life as a human and society I, I just feel like it's good for your soul hmm. pretty much I'm not saying you need to go and like apologise for everything you've ever said yeah you know I'm not I mean? going to I just like <laughs> that's what I mean by I feel like the obligation to try my best to share that information with people who I don't think are seeing it the way I'm seeing it right because maybe they need to have heard it in the way that I needed to hear it when I needed it right and if I've said all that and you've kind of thought I don't like the way you're in and I'm not really changing I can't handle anything else that's it right. you know, I've, I've done what I feel I should try and do you've done all you can whatever you do that's up to you I'm not saying you also have like a moral wound that I need to heal just that as I say I had issues people helped me learn and grow through that I try and best to that for others and if whether they want to hear it or not or maybe they care to hear it or not and maybe in your case where you're probably like I just don't care I don't really need to whatever it you, you've got your opinion mm. you've got no reason to like pure think your opinion's bad I don't even think your opinion's bad I'd say there's a long 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 gap between you and like fucking I hate women and women made this movie to victimise me people yeah. do you know what I mean I don't know I feel a very strong sort of moral righteousness and I need to be careful not to make it to a fault. I don't want to be like a fucking proper, like, the moral crusader. Like, I'm you and I'm going to save feminism and I'm going to fix racism. I just, you know, as I say, I just want to try my best to, like, share and collective knowledge. Collective consciousness uh-huh. is one of the greatest strengths of anybody. Like, class consciousness, like, sort of consciousness of, like, wealth, of inequality. The more people know and the more people think and learn, the better things naturally become. You know what I mean? It's not like I can change you and then that fixes feminism. It's just I'm a very strong believer in like, you know, a, a global unified collective consciousness to the problems of the world. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the, the growing urge to fix things and the growing thought behind it and that sort of stuff. Right. But that's, you know, that's, I'm getting very heady. I'm not going to try and like... Ah, shit gets too big for me. I was going to say, you just don't care. I deal with the granular. And not in a bad way. Like, that's what I'm dealing with. <laughs> I was going to say, you're just in top of movies. We're never going to have a talk like this ever again. Uh, I think we probably will at some point. Eh? I don't think we will. Know, we'll, get, we'll get in the weed somewhere. As there's like Greta Gerwig's next time comes out and Graham, I hate women. Well, if the like, next one's a mess, we might have some talks, I eh? went to speak about this. Graham's like, no joke. If Narnia is not a book, Christian Hannity, I will have some questions. I'll have some serious questions. Oh, oh my God. A scathing critique of Christianity. Yeah, Graham in this episode's like anti-feminism and Graham in the fucking Narnia episode's pro-Christianity. That's pro-Christianity. a great character. I grew up Christian, it's only fair, you know what I mean? You did grow up Christian. Throw some throw some back. I grew up sort of fringe Christian in my family, I guess, but like, just didn't really care. I went to like a, a non-denominational school, but non-denominational, but also practising Christian. And like, I was in and around it all, and my family were like, eh. You know, like, eh. Eh. I think it's because my dad's uh, got Catholic ties. I think he technically grew up Catholic, and I think he just was like so like over it. Aye. So he's like, I would never like push that on my kids type of thing. Mm. Not to disservice my dad's family, obviously. They're lovely people, and I'm not saying they push-pushed, but I think, as I say, just my dad sort of like was like, eh. I'm fair, I like the uh, approach. Meh. I feel like you have to give Barbie the credit. Her third eye has been open. We've experienced things. We've huh. talked about things that promote spiritual growth huh. and personal development. Right. No matter how far, no matter what direction we go and all that, we've, we, we've experienced the true lived human experience right we've engaged in 
furious discussions and debates uh, and we've grown uh-huh. mentally, right. socially, spiritually, mm-hmm. not physically. We're sat on a couch for two hours talking yeah. about this. But, uh, we might have deteriorated physically. Actually. Yeah, I think I've deteriorated physically. Yeah. My throat's killing me and I've been drinking the whole time. Uh, my stomach hurts, but that might be uh, the Philly cheesesteak. Yeah. But no, I, you know, this was good that this brought this out of us. Uh-huh. And I don't want you to think I think any less of you because of your opinions about Barbie. I'm always scared to talk to you in these kind of ways because I'm afraid he's going to shout at me. <laughs> he, see, this draws back to the fact that he said he didn't like Captain Marvel and this was even before I became pure enlightened about Captain Marvel. We came out of the theatre, he's like, I didn't like that. And I'm like, you fucking suck ass. You hate women. Captain Marvel's fucking based. Did you know why the jury's still out till the Marvels? <laughs> oh my God. Look, Emmanuel is in that, it can't be bad. Ah, she'll be wait. Don't know, I don't know about the rest of them, but she'll be there. Graham hates other women, so there's oh, always exactly. another one. You know, don't worry about it. No, I, I mean, I had, I did. I, back then, I was very immature about my social leanings. I was very much like probably the worst of like a. You know, when, when you're like fresh, at that time of my life, I was fresh onto being like, I should be a bit more politically and socially enlightened and a bit more sensitive to broader narratives. Mm. The problem is, I went so far in the opposite direction. I was too. Literally, like, Graham says he doesn't like a female actor. I'm like, well, you fucking hate women. Mm, like, yeah. I was bad for that. I almost blame the autism as much as I blame just my own inexperience. So I actually do regret sort of how I was back then. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm more just annoyed that I, like, put Graham in an awkward social situation. Yeah. Obviously, it's not like I'm preaching bad things. I'm like, yo, be, be nice to women, but I was very bad about it. <laughs> I was very... It was a good and a bad way to send the message. Yes. Yeah, and I'll accept that. I'll, I will absolutely, in fact, I'm sorry I was like that. That's okay, Ewan. I was very nervous coming to this one. Man, I've always been nervous speaking about politics in front of you because I think you trump me in every way. Even if I can't fully describe what I'm feeling or the view I hold, I just think you're a much better arguer of points. So even if I was to get it right, I think you'd probably somehow make me feel like I'd lost it or like <sighs> something like that. I think, you know, that's unfortunate because it's not my goal. My goal oh, isn't no. to like basically bedazzle you with like political yelling. Yes. It's to sort of just speak to the breadth of the situation and to acknowledge the whole experience as fairly as I can. Mm-hmm. As I say, I, I kind of wish I was, I'm more interested in educating than convincing. I don't believe I can convince people. I appreciate you saying I'm a good arguer. I'm a good, I think I've got strength in debate, but like I also have a lot of knowledge to be fair. I, I'm too locked into the fucking social media sphere of like, I, talk to people about politics and social issues and I hear people you probably just don't and you don't need to no Some sometimes I do sort of agree that again we need greater consciousness as a fucking global community but you don't need to log on to twitter.com every day and just get fucking blasted by every update about like what this congressman's done or like what's happening in the Tory party yeah so that's fair I, I have all this knowledge I'm sitting on and I have all this I have a very strong fucking sense about like justice and social responsibility in that I say I'm actually genuinely upset, not upset, upset, but like I'm sort of upsetting myself and sorry that I've made you feel that like I'm I'm that type of guy. Yeah. I get why you're saying that. I say I'm very much like, I'm very opinionated and I'm very articulated and I'm very much about expressing as much as possible. But I, older me is very much, no, no, I can just talk Graham down and convince him of the moral rightness. Current you more like, if I feel like maybe there's something I could do to like, guide you towards maybe a, a conclusion that's yeah. for your spiritual health I'll do that but yeah. I don't want that to, I want that to be the be all and the end all I don't want to be like 
Ewan shouts Graham down and makes him a fucking liberal. I <laughs> um, we we'll take it a point where I like can't be moved or something. I just think that's the right one, and you're like, nah, I don't agree. <laughs> that would be funny. Pretty much. Well, I, <laughs> as long as I've said everything I can say about it, and you've sort of articulated yourself clearly, then you know, like, like it's like the day I can't really fault you anymore than we have. I've gave you everything I can, and it's up to you to do that. And if you're turning your little, you know, like here's just still my base opinion and no uncertain terms, and I'm like, yeah, what what can I do for there? Fairly, especially as like my best friend and someone I love and care about deeply. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely not going to fucking cling to your shoulder and demand you do this and you think this way and that. You know what I mean? Going to tie me out here and waterboard me. He's going to do it. I mean, I'll do that, but it'll be for something fucking shit and worthless. Oh my! Like Graham, like I'm fucking like waterboard you and then clip your eyes out and like a clockwork corner. It's like Graham, we're going to do fucking the Lord of Jojos. Oh man, I'd be down for that. Uh, bro. I think that's more likely to happen than for us to talk about politics on this scale again. I'll tell you Maybe, that but Jojo's could lead politics. This is, this is the way. <laughs> yes, well, the, the main villain of part seven is uh, uh, the president, who also is a paedophile. See, see. And also he can teleport between dimensions. Spoilers. <laughs> oh, man. I'm so really glad we could have this talk. Yes. I thought it was good. It was fun. It was healthy. Sure. <laughs> Do you know what? I don't know. I don't know how to feel. <laughs> Uh, I think if we went through our life never speaking on politics, uh, I'd, be a ha- I'd be a happy person. That's, <laughs> that's completely fair. But it's impossible to ignore and uh, avoid for a whole lifetime, so... Well, pretty much, I. As long as we get better at doing it, I think we'll be fine. <laughs> Together, I mean, because you're good already. Well, yeah, but I mean, even when I'm trying my best, I'm still very overbearing. <laughs> as long as we're on, we're on the same buzz then, you know what I mean? Yes, I think so. Oh. Probably <laughs> I think I need my bed. You need to sleep. I have a big day then when I have to go out and lead that rally and see fucking fucking draft a bill to Congress and oh shit about the UFOs. We need access. Oh shit, we do need access to UFOs. Fuck, I can't believe UFOs are real. They're real. We knew the UFOs were real. I think they mentioned that years ago, but we definitely know everything's real now. Asteroid City was a psyop. Do you know what? Rex Anderson knew it. It was. He would know. He would know. He, he, he has an alien he'd probably. He'd like him. Yeah. And like maybe one of the big, like, like James Cameron. Yeah. You know, like just do that information what you want. Like make Avatar because that's what they look like. So like we'll have like a point of reference for it when sure. we see them in real life. Could you imagine if aliens were real and they were the fucking Navi? That'd be best. That would be insane. And James Cameron makes a bit of humans go and fucking kill them all. Oh shit. Dude. Dude. What if humanity were the bad guys? <laughs> shit. Holy shit. It's weird how movies like that work and then you do just genuinely just like, oh man, aliens are based, like, that's cool. Aliens are pretty based. Except Independence Day. Independence Day is the opposite. Oh. Aliens are not based. And Secret Invasion. And Secret Invasion, aliens are not based. Aliens are not based. Dermot Mulroney said, fuck those aliens. Fuck those aliens. But give them uh, your super serum power, whatever it is, power. That's what they do. Yes. Become super gods. Yes. Bonk them on the head with a hammer and then resolve the plot. Yes. And that's the end of the episode. Goodbye. And that's the end of this episode. Probably. Bar was a great experience. I ran out of steam, yeah. It was, I had a great day out with, with all my friends. Yes. Uh, it was just fun. It was nice. The cin- being in the cinema is good. Yes, it's a safe space. It's a safe space. Yes. Unless you're a man. Possibly. Seeing Barbie. Unless you're a man seeing Barbie. Or unless you're a person who's not been blown up by a bomb in their life. Yes. Or someone with a pacemaker seeing Florence Pugh's scenes of Oppenheimer. 
Do you know that was the one bit of CGI in Oppenheimer? Was that in like sort of like yeah? Have you seen this? Yeah, like, uh, Asia like, country, something like that. Maybe Malaysia. One of some of those territories they've just had the CGI like a black dress on her. Yeah, because she's naked. She's full fucking naked, and she's just so good <laughs> as an actress. Uh, yes, she has a great and former. Like, yes. I wouldn't want to be lurid, but like she is also very pretty. <laughs> Most of these actresses and actors are very pretty people. Yeah. I can't lie. That's maybe why they do it. That's, That's Hollywood privilege. privilege. <laughs> that is the pretty person privilege, yeah. That's the, I wish I had the money to look as good in Hollywood as some of these other people do. <laughs> Damn. Damn. Well, Jeez. people, I think we have run out of steam. This has been the Scenes Podcast. This has been the Scenes Podcast. This has been the Barbenheimer episode of Scenes Podcast. Uh, there could be uh, a new episode recorded. This might be like in a hundred years you hear this from the vault because <laughs> oh, we've, yeah. we've like destroyed the earth. And look, we can let you hear it now. You know, I don't know. Nuclear bombs. Nuclear bombs. Oppenheimer. Fallout. I will see. We'll talk about it. We've recorded this and I'm happy we recorded it. Yes, me too. Send it. Unedited. Send it. Send it it unedited. Unedited. Let it fly. Ewan's entire rant. (laughs) 4K 60fps. That's the clip for this one. (laughs) That's the clip? Yeah. It's 30 minutes. Oh, Robin, that. Can't have that clip. (laughs) Oh, my days. Well, yeah, we'll see how it goes, but uh, I had another great time recording with my friend Graham. Of course, of course, you. And uh, yeah, I, I wish you all the best. I love you loads. Yes, we'll see you for the next one, whatever it may be. God, I don't even think we've got a tease for you because we don't really know. We just go with the wind. Yes. Well, next you'll hear Indiana Jones probably. Yeah, Indiana Jones, maybe even one uh, where we agree more. Final Fantasy. But still disagree just enough for you to like it. That's good. So that's healthy debate. This yeah. episode was unhealthy debate. Uh, I wouldn't say so, but... No, I wouldn't say so either. I'm, I'm afraid. I'm saying that because I'm trying to cover my ass because I'm afraid <laughs> that you feel that way. Don't feel... No. We're going to get caught in a feedback loop now of you saying, like, like, oh, I'm afraid to talk to you about things like politics because he's like talks a lot and he's very good at it and he knows a lot yeah. and he's a big fucking presence. And I'm going to now be afraid to talk about it because I care more about making you feel comfortable than I do about my fucking... Bizarre social justice crusade. Yes. Well, I could just not speak on politics. I'll just not say issues. Trade, trade off. Or I'll just not trade speak about politics. You get my. You, you get like movie discussions. I receive not for talking about politics ever. Yes. Ah, uh, uh, that's fair. I don't want to ever silence you. That's my only issue. Silence. My God. Uh, well. Well, people. Good night. Good night. We'll, we'll see you on the next one. See you next one. Like, subscribe, rate. Five stars. Watch Barbie and Oppenheimer. Watch them. Make your own opinions. Yeah, make your own opinions. Always make your own opinions. And support the strikers. Don't scab. Yeah, support them. Support the fucking strikers. Uh, Bang, bang. Night, guys. Scenes is a fan-created podcast. We have no affiliation with any of the brand's studios or properties mentioned. All views are our own. Produced and edited by my partner, Rebecca. Music is provided by Epidemic Sound. And the cover artwork was commissioned by Rhiannon Cargo on Twitter or Instagram. Signing off.